Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson, and this is The Road Taken. Happy Valentine's Day to my wig woman, Louise Palenker. Happy Valentine's. Happy Valentine's. We have, we have Valentine's. I'll tell you the story of them, but look, look, how, look how cute. These are cute. So cute. You have to show. They're cute. Them. Yeah, they're cute. And it says, keep calm and drink wine. So, sponsor, I'll be calling you after the Why show. Why would they give you candy and tell you to consume I, another product? I don't, under, this is what we were trying to figure out. I, I don't understand Does it. Does it say have a chocolate on the wine? We'll talk, oh see look, like now we can see. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that. We're going to see who's <laughs> like, who's coming to visit us. So no, I forgot that I have to turn down because this is a very <laughs> professional operation. So anyway, so before we get into, uh, into the, the meat of the show. Right. There is no meat because I am on Skinny I'm Lemon, on, Louise. I'm, I'm doing candy. there's candy, but I'm doing it again. Ah, I'm see. cleansing again. And my Valentine to myself was today is day three because it's time to stop the insanity. Who's that was like somebody's like motto? Stop the insanity. I can't remember Jake Lamont. I don't know. It was somebody stop the insanity? Uh, it was Probably somebody. Someone who was also insane. <laughs> Like me, and the thing is that you know, I just decided that my gift to myself is to not be self-loathing, to be in self-love, and to be in self-love, I'm taking care of myself. I'm trimming down. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm not gonna like gag every time I look in the mirror. But anyway, so so on this Valentine's Day show, I want to uh, uh, say thank you to our sponsors, to our beloved Rick Smokey, and look, all of my things are Valentine red. Mm -hmm. My tissue boxes, my business cards, yes, and also a philanthropist. He does this fabulous uh, stuff for uh, the, the the Silver Lining Foundation, and that's not what they're called. I don't know, but he's fantastic. And I was telling our guest tonight that who is a filmmaker and has lots of films. He's not that just are, a filmmaker. He's our filmmaker. He's our filmmaker. He's behind the camera. He's our beloved filmmaker. We also have pets. Um, that when he needs stuff for his movies, like The Florida Project, um, starring Will Willem Dafoe, who is now up for a Best Supporting Actor Oscar, yeah. an Oscar for um, a film that, well, we're going to get into all of that. But anyway, um, so Rick will make stuff for Chris mm -hmm. for gosh. <laughs> that was a bit of a challenge, folks, but I got it now. But in, I, now I can't say Chris, which is the only other problem. But anyway, Rick uh, is amazing. And if you let him know that you're friends of ours or the road taken, whatever, he will give you a very special deal. And if you're doing anything with philanthropy, he'll even give you a better deal because that's the kind of guy he is. And also, we are brought to you by Nicole Venables of the Ruby Begonia Salon. And I have to say, I am beyond thrilled because I get to go on Saturday. I need to go. It's been too long, Nicole. She tresses the stars and regular people like me. And um, she, oh, we're getting hearts. There are people, that, oh, look, let's see who's, uh, hearts on Valentine's Happy Valentine's Day, Day Dan Casella, Ross, Mark. Hi, Ross. Hi, Andy Helfman. Andy was my first, Andy was my first Valentine when I was four years old until I was like 11. Yes, and we found each other after 50 years. Uh, I, yes, I'm 62. Shut up, I can do the math. Um, who else is with? Penny is with us. Hi, Penny. Hi, Michael. Hi, Judy. Um, I love that all. Thank you for being with us on Valentine's Day. We love you. I love you. And I love that you're here with us. And just because we're not at a candlelit dinner, so what? So what? You I know, I got a lovely text from my husband, and that's how I remembered it was Valentine's Day. Oh, when I was married, 
the last couple of years, we were so in tune that our friends would call us and tell us that it was our anniversary. We had absolutely no idea. But yeah. you know what makes me feel a little better about Valentine? I don't want to say it makes me feel better, but it makes me a little more comfortable about the fact that I don't have a Valentine on Valentine's Day again, is that most of the people I know who are married and have Valentines and are writing all of these beautiful things on Facebook haven't slept with their partners in years. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, so it's not like they're kissing and getting it on and all of that. There's a lot of contempt going. Not you, not you and Ronnie. No, but we're doing, we're doing great, but we yes. are in different cities on Valentine's Day and yeah. we don't care. And, and, and the thing it's is, whatever. the thing about these holidays, um, because of Facebook and social media, and I guess before fun. that it was Hallmark, what they do is they set most of the world up for deep depression. Yeah. Because anybody that isn't in a loving, and even if they have a partner, if things aren't good, then it stinks. Impossible standards. How many people go out for dinner on Valentine's Day? How many couples, I can remember, and don't talk to each other. Mm. They go because they're supposed to go, that's the expectation, they go, and then they have nothing to say to each other. Or, or they get a gift and they, they think it's not what he would have got if he knew me better or... Right, it's not what it's not what they want. Oh my god, you know, like guys that get their their wives like things for the kitchen on Valentine's Day. Like I, I can remember, um, <laughs> or some piece of lingerie he wants to see her in. Exactly. Oh, I love when they give the presents of the lingerie, like as if that's for her. Lingerie is uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Who wears that stuff? I gotta sleep in I his want pajama. A I want his pajama bottoms and T-shirt. That's what I want to sleep in. Um, um, and I, then I want him to take it off. Um, but. Um, I forgot where I was going with this, but yeah, people, you know, they go out to dinner and there's this, all this, this expectation on them. And then those of us who aren't going out to dinner with a date, um, then there's all this, oh, you know, and, and, and so it just sets everybody up for sort of, I mean, there, I guess there are people that it's magical, but that's usually at the beginning of a relationship. When one year. One year, one, two years, that's yeah. all you get. But anyway, um, uh. Yeah. Watch your rom-coms, get into bed, get watch comfortable, that, watch, be... watch our podcast, That's learn right. something, become inspired, okay. and move on to the 15th. This is a perfect podcast for tonight, yeah. for Valentine's Day, Day of Love, because this Valentine's Day, for me, is about loving myself. It's about loving everybody I know and accepting their love, but it's also about self-love mm -hmm. right so I'm, I'm, I'm doing this I went for a speed walk today I know our guest today went for a hike um, it's about I'm gonna exercise when you guys leave I'm gonna I'm gonna do my Jane Fonda workout which I've been doing for the last which you're gonna since do until like, the tape breaks since, since they were like tape you can't I've had this thing memorized for about 30 years oh. I, I don't even have to wear leg warmers anymore but um, but anyway so uh, so yeah, but, 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 and with this self-loving self, self-giving self love to self, mm -hmm. is also about manifesting dreams. And I can't think, I, I'm so excited for our guest tonight, Chris Bergosh, yeah. because this is someone, okay, with his group of, of with his crew from school, and mm -hmm. what crew from NYU, they started making I don't know if we're going to have to find out if they went right into making movies. And I'm sure they did in school for school projects and stuff. But then they worked on TV. So listen to this. This yeah. is craziness right here. So Greg the Bunny. You know who starred in Greg the Bunny? TV show. You, for Fox. You know who starred in that? Mm -hmm. 
Eugene Levy. <gasps> Who's funnier than Eugene Levy? Nobody. Well, except Sarah Silverman may be right up there. She was in it too. Seth Green on Greg the Bunny. Then Greg, then Greg the Bunny morphed into Warren the Ape. And Dr. Phil joined them. Ha! Dr. Phil? And yeah, he joined that crew. Oh, and Josh Sussman, who, what I love, what I love about Chris and, and Sean and what they do is they use the people they know and they have a kind of company. First of all, they discover new talent. Every single one of their films, including The Florida Project, Oscar nominated, Best, act, best Supporting Actor, William Defoe, and has won a shit ton of awards, which I'm gonna like call out a couple of them, but they use unknowns, and they did the same thing. This afternoon I watched Tangerine, which was a film they made on three iPhone 5Ss. They gorilla shot it. I, I, I met Chris at, at Phil Rosenthal's recently, and he was telling us about not having permissions to do certain things, like in the Florida Project. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that. I'm not saying what they didn't have permissions for, but they it can get away. Like it. They can get away with murder because when you watch it, it feels like sometimes the cameras on, on the sidewalk. Well, and that the kids don't even know that they're being filmed. Sometimes. I, Tangerine, which would freak me out about it, we have to talk to Chris about it, is that most of it is shot at McCadden Place in Highland, which is at the, there's a gay and lesbian center there, and I, I'm not gay nor lesbian, but I might be a tranny. And um, and anyway, no. Um, that would be a really good excuse for the extra pounds. If you so, were a guy, like, though, you would be. Oh, would I be gorgeous if I was a guy? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be a really good tranny. Well, tranny's not a good word. Trans. I would be trans. But anyway, I don't like tranny. I just said that because it's, somebody calls them that in the movie, and it's a horrible thing. But, um, but anyway, um, it's shot right here, and um, using a lot of real people, then a lot of the same people that have been used in other projects, which I love. I love the idea of a company, you know, like Woody Allen works. See, I can't even say his name anymore. I can't say his name. This is no good. He was my hero. Now I feel like I'm, I'm like I have to spit or something. All right. But there are lots of filmmakers, John Cassavetes, there are lots of filmmakers who have companies of mm -hmm. people that they use. And I love that. And I love the loyalty of it. And I love the fact, and we'll talk to Chris, but I have a feeling that the crew are people that they that they've used again and again and there's something beautiful about that mm -hmm. but anyway so Valentine's Day day of love I say that this Valentine's Day is about pushing past obstacles to make dreams a reality the women who write um, every month we have a 30-day writing challenge mm -hmm. and the, the writing challenge this month is I push past blank and so we had a workshop yesterday, and I committed in front of all the women to write this email that I really didn't want to write. And so every day this month, we're on day 14, every day I've been pushing past an obstacle, a fear, something. Did you and, write it? And I wrote the email yesterday. I didn't get it yet. Well, this morning, it's not to me. I got the response, oh. and I'm getting out of the results, but I've got the meeting. I got the pitch. I got it. Ooh. So... It would not have happened. I, I've been putting this particular email off for a year. I'm having other contact with the person, but not asking the direct question. Um, and I did it. And so I have no idea what the result is going to be. And that, that's, I believe, like kind of God's will, not in a religious way, just in a sort of a spiritual universe way. Um, but I have no idea what's going to happen. But I did the footwork. I did my yep. part, right? I did what I had to do. Now I gotta do all the work in preparation for the damn meeting, but no, but, but anyway, so what tonight is about is about 
the manifestation of those dreams. Here were these kids from NYU getting their, their BFAs, making student films, and they're going to the Academy Awards. That's pretty damn exciting. Yes. They've worked with their heroes. That's pretty. When William Defoe says yes, because he saw your $100,000 iPhone 5S movie, Tangerine, what? And even this movie, I believe, Chris will tell us if I'm wrong, they made this movie for $2.5 million, I believe, and look at what's going on. So let's talk about some of the awards. They also had Starlet. They had, um, let's see, there's another movie, Snowbird. Okay, so they have been, they've been, okay, so Starlet was the winner of five awards worldwide, including the Robert Altman Independent Spirit Award, which next week our guest is David Wilde, and he is writing for the Independent Spirit Awards. This goes full circle. Okay, so um, Tangerine, 22 wins, 33 nominations, including Best Original Screenplay by that guy. Snowbird, nominated for Direction, Original Music, Major Brand, and Best Film at the Berlin Fashion Film Awards. He wrote and produced The Florida Project, which has, co-wrote, which has 55, 55 wins and 97 nominations. Okay, $2.5 million, including the before-mentioned Best Supporting Actor nomination for Willem Dafoe. And his finest achievement to date, you have learned how to pronounce his, his name. name. <laughs> I've learned how, which I'm going to say in a minute, but I also want to say his finest achievement to date might be getting Willem Dafoe, but, but the second thing is that Phil Rosenthal, one of Chris's heroes, said on The Road Taken last yeah. week that The Florida Project is his favorite film of the yes, year, he and he meant it. Yeah. Nobody was nobody was twisting his arm. So anyway, so let's bring him over. So it is my pleasure, my thrill, and um, I'm so excited to bring out Chris Bergosh. Yay! Yay! I accept all yeah. pronunciations. Hello, Chris. Happy Chris, Valentine's Day. Happy, yes, happy Valentine's. Let's see. I am so sweet. So you were saying. That yes. If you don't have a Valentine, and I don't have. Time. We're, oh, I think, I think, you know, and I go, I lean young. I, and, and it's, it's, well, scary. it's you might, you actually might be a little old for me. Uh, I lean so young. It's, I lean are so you young. Uh, doing the Tinder? I'm, uh, oh, I'm actually writing a film about it. Really? I am. It's, wow. it's about a Tinder. It's about a film. Keep me in the loop on this one. It's, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to send it to you. Um, I, I was working on it today with my partner, okay. uh, Ricardo Navas. Um, he, we were a failed Tinder match. We had a little, we had, we had a little Tinder romance. He is um, 25 years younger than Mark, okay. and um, we had a wonderful beginning and not such a great end. Okay. But then I invited him to write the film with me because I figured who's going to write him better than him? That's incredible. So, so you started to get this idea and you were like, I'm going to base a film on this. No, it's worse than that. Oh. <laughs> I, I wrote the treatment because I wanted to trap him to find out the truth. So I was going to read him the treatment to find out if I figured it out, what was really going on. Wow. So I never read him the treatment because I got too mad at him and I broke up with him instead. Oh. But then, Sorry. a couple of months later, no, it's okay. Did you meet Jeremy Stevens at Phil's? I don't he, he, he was uh, uh, a main writer on Raymond. He wrote on For Me I, Tonight. I did. He's yes. great. Yes, He's I was bad with names. Jeremy's the one who went to Russia with Phil, but then he stayed for seven years, made it the number one, Everybody Loves Raymond, the number one sitcom in Russia. They were ju Phil just got an award uh, the day after we were there getting in the Guinness World Book of Records for the most, uh, uh, what's the word? It's in the most languages, the most, uh, what's the word? Um, 
not, not the, the, the most translated sitcom in history. I did not know this. It is the longest what? running sitcom in Russian oh, history. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and Jeremy's the one who did it. So anyway, Jeremy's my life coach. There was a point where was I, you we're, we're starting with Jeremy. Yeah, right? That's okay. amazing. I was going to tell you something about Jeremy, and now I forgot where I was going. But anyway. I, um, love the, I can't wait to hear more about the Tinder idea. And I just oh. think it's amazingly brilliant that you brought someone in that pissed you off like that. Well, you know. <laughs> it's, kind well, of, it's kind of brilliant. Okay, so here was the thing. What I realized is that when we, they say write what you know. Yeah. Which we are going to talk about this <laughs> okay, with you. Right. Because Chris we, is writing movies about trans, about homeless kids. And I mean, here are these... I don't want to call you a privileged kid because I don't know your background we're going to get to it, but I'm thinking you're kind of privileged. Yeah, I mean, that's a tricky word. It, it is a tricky like, word. It's insulting. Like I don't, yeah, I don't want to make it like that. But I, you did go to NYU. Very lucky to get to go to NYU. As my daughter is there right now. Oh, cool. Is she a tish? A tish? Yeah, she is. Oh, and, uh, for, for acting. Okay. Yeah, for, she wants to do musical theater. Cool. But she would be very happy to be anything in any of your films. Sure. Um, I mean, what, is she in a dorm? Or she's at um, yeah. What is it called? It's called Carlisle. Hayden. Yeah. Oh, Carlisle Court. She, she's in Carlisle. She started out in Ruben, the one without air conditioning. That's where Sean was. Okay, but yeah, Sean Baker. And so was Alec Baldwin, oh. who Gabe went to her, her father went to school when Alec did. They were in oh, Tisch wow. together at Lee Strasberg. But you know what their address is? It's like Fifth Avenue. Yeah, it's yeah. Fifth Avenue. Yeah. Tenth Street, Fifth right Avenue. Right Washington Square Park. Yeah. Yes. When do you get to have that? That's the thing I always tell people. I wish. Does she know how lucky she is? And because I do you know in, how lucky you are. I live in Hayden, which is not called Hayden. Wait, right? Hayden's on thirty-three Washington Square. Yeah, West. yeah, yeah. And you're living on Washington Square Park, and you have no idea that it's never going to get that good. <laughs> you have this beautiful <laughs> view of the park. Yeah. And you're I, I 18 that, years though. old, and you know, you're not, it's gonna be a while till anybody can afford that. You anymore. were really close to Joe's Pizza. Did you eat Joe's oh, Pizza? Oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. That's, yeah. that's uh, it was great. And I just, like I said, room 1721, it was a quad. <laughs> and we just didn't understand how like lucky we were to be living like that. And you know, because you go to other friends' colleges, and not that the schools aren't great, but yeah. maybe the dorms are not so great. And, they're not living on Fifth Avenue or yeah, Washington, yeah. on Washington Square Park. There just aren't a lot of people that can make that yeah, climb. So Plus, it's a I pretty knew. extraordinary school. And one of the things, I'm going to give a plug to NYU, to, to Tish. Um, one of the ways she convinced this single mom <laughs> to send her to NYU, Tish, was uh, this writer mom, of all things, so you know, mm -hmm. um, is because... If you look, Samantha wants to Broadway musicals. If you look mm -hmm. at at any given time, the actors that are currently on Broadway mm -hmm. and what schools they came from, mm -hmm. NYU, Tish, yeah, is something like seven to one oh, wow. over yeah, Juilliard. It. Yeah, all of them. Oh, even over Juilliard. Wow. Over everything. Um, more actors. Juilliard's more music. music. Well, but even musical theater. Yeah. Even musical theater. Juilliard has a lot of drama mm. people actually. Um, uh, st serious actors, but but it's also Julia has a smaller class. They're NYU lucky too, living in Lincoln Center. Wow, like that. that's damn lucky, amazing. So anyway, so the write what you know thing. Oh, so right, yeah. I decided that I wanted to write what I knew, so I was going to bring in the person I did. I, I had the relationship with, so I, because also be, I wanted to be able to portray a male character going through a dating head, a romance head, in a realistic way, because. Mm -hmm. I think I write men pretty well, mm -hmm. but wow, what I have found out in writing together for the past oh, many yeah? months, Wait. that what I think I know, I'm so not. I, I'm truly, can you say one? All right, I'll give you an example <laughs> that came up today. Okay. okay, so 
at the at, in the middle of our romance when things were like really kind of hot and heavy and we've had like this very hot date okay. not sleeping together just okay. a very hot date um, I was riding in the car he, he was coming from a film festival he's a filmmaker okay. and he, he actually won a, uh, an award for his first short film and he was coming back from the, his first film festival mixer where they had a few drinks and he was in the back of a car with other guys and he called me to tell me about the thing and I'm excited because I'm on Mulholland Drive and this song only the this song Beginnings by Chicago comes on okay. right and okay. the, the words are really gothy it's like when I'm with <laughs> you I feel a thousand different feelings and I get chills all over my body and I'm like oh my god this is that's exactly how you make me feel and he's like really oh. and like, oh my god and he's like mortified he doesn't remember saying that yeah that's an unmagical reaction so we were trying to go back and figure out what he was why he did that okay. so we actually came up with a perspective that I would have never come to without him being my co-writer okay. and that was that Okay, first of all, his friends were sitting in the front of the car, his, you know, co-film people. Okay. So he was a little, like, embarrassed, like, as if they could hear it through the well, thing, but the, they couldn't. The Danny and Grease syndrome. It's kind of that. Travolta right? acted cool in front of his friends. <laughs> right. So a, little, so a little, like, that's weird. A little of it was, um, okay, that's a really serious song lyric for something that is new. Okay. Um, even though he was the one who was saying, you know... Um, I want to see where this is going to go, and I'm not on Tinder anymore, and all this stuff, right? But anyway, we were at cross. But you guys yeah. do not write what you know. It's a mix, I think. You know, uh, it's exciting to jump into these things where we're worlds we're not from. Or I don't understand. Okay, so I want to start with your life before we get oh, to your sure. films. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, but we're here now. So be here yeah. now. So I'll be here now, motherfucker. Okay, so we're here. <laughs> so. So tell, Who said that? Is that a quote? No, it's, 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 it's Vicky Hansen said quote. it. Got so so tell it. me how I don't, I only know how to write what I know. I've written a book, I've written, I You'd don't know. You'd be surprised know. though. You, you, it's, no. just, it's a journalistic approach and it's just about research and it's really I fun. I hate homework. We don't look at it as homework though. It's kind of like exciting adventures. Tell me how you guys did. Somebody, oh, I'm so sorry. No, 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 finish. When I was shooting you guys there. Yeah. Somebody, uh, I don't we, know. We had, we had Chris shooting the opening of the show. Because <laughs> no, this is because this, a lot of pressure. This is Gorilla, just like you guys started out Gorilla. We oh, yeah. are a Gorilla no, great. broadcast. We have better lights than we, than we ever had. I can tell you that. Yeah, although to hear Lydia Cornell say it. Hi, Lydia. Um, it's totally in the wrong place. It should be down. Oh. But it's not good for, for. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Wearing the hat because yeah. of the hat hair. No, you so it's probably no, casting a he's shadow. claiming that's the color of his that's hair. Who's that believing is, that? I'm have... not believing Listen, it. I will dye my hair when the time comes, <laughs> but I promise you. That is the blackest scouts hair. Scouts are. It's seen. Italian hair, I guess. That's what happens. I'm lucky. Now it's lucky. When I was 13 in middle school, they called me Chewy, Chewbacca, because I was so hairy. Oh, uh, so yeah. So back then I hated being hairy, but now I guess it's good. Now it's good. I'm, I still have it all. Having, like, having hair. Fingers crossed. Okay, so, fingers so let's go back. How, how, how do you write tangerine? Oh, yeah. And how by the way, it? I just want yes. to say, someone typed. I saw yeah. a little message. And oh. I don't know your name. I apologize. Someone right. said, you know, how do you write when you don't feel like writing? And that ties oh. into what you're saying. Oh. Look at all these people. Watching us, look at Thank this. you. Happy Valentine's Day! Yay! Happy Everybody. Valentine's Day! Happy Valentine's Day! I think is I used to be the kind of guy. I, I'm just trying to. No, no, no. Go ahead. Thoughts when you were saying. It, it, I agree with everything you guys said, but I also think like you know it doesn't have to be so much pressure if two people are getting along and want to use it as an excuse to have like just a fun night out and dress up and have that. Night. I mean, it should be like that every night. You shouldn't need Valentine's Day. But I think Day. it's only like that for couples that are brand brand new. Yeah. 
Because I think once you're kind of in, because I think there's expectation that gets caught up after that. When Maybe. You, with even, the kids. And even brand brand knows. I would never tough. do the lingerie thing, though. I would do like, hey, oh, good. What, like I was in a seven year relationship with someone I still write with. Okay. And, and Oh, um, wow. And, and we Ricardo, just, there's hope for us. Like our gifts would be like, hey, I got you. I mean, it's writers. I got you three nights at Atlantic City for us, and we're going to have an adventure in oh. Atlantic City with, like, you know. I like that. Fun, not just like a. Silly box Not that okay, I, so what, what's the sorry. best? What's the best romantic present you ever received? Can you think of one? Uh, yes. <laughs> Can you say do it? You on guys the know, air? Do you guys know the movie Seed of Chucky? So it's a life-size. Um, no, this is not. Glenn Glenda, look it up. Glenn Glenda, which is Chucky's son. <laughs> In Seed of Chucky, life-size, very rare, very limited edition that she got me. He is a movie guy. And I still have you him. A movie and he's the creepiest doll, but you know, you gotta look, Seed of Chucky, yeah. Glenn Glenda, and he looks just like he did in the movie, and he sits in my room, and he watches. And it's the most, it's the coolest gift ever. I love <laughs> the fact that, but she knew, but see, that's the thing, yeah. she knew you. Yeah. And that is... I teared uh, up, because I'm like, I didn't even know this existed. <laughs> and he came on the trip with us, and he was like our little mascot. <laughs> You know, but what's took pictures with him. Every what's so picture. cool about that is that you know, like there are people that buy gifts for someone as if it's what if they buy what they would want. Yeah, you gotta buy yeah. for what the other person. So tell yeah, me the I think best to be gift honest, you it, ever. It creeped her out, but she got yeah. it for me. Anyways, there you thank, go. Thank you, Mickey. So what's what's the the best uh, gift you ever gave? Oh yeah, I, I would say just like the trips. The I, trips I love giving trips because you can both have fun and make memories. So you get to have a little gift in there too. Yeah, but yeah, it's like a trip don't. for both of you. <laughs> but it's a place that she wanted to go, and like okay, that's I get fair. a nice hotel room. So you didn't take her to like uh, no, Dodger no. Stadium. Or no, something. no, and just like something that has like you know you'll get to the room and it'll have the Valentine's Day package. I so it sounds, maybe it sounds cheesy, but I I liked it because. I, okay, I'm going to tell you my greatest Valentine gift. I had it on Facebook today, but. Um, I was going out with a musician. Mm. I was madly in love. Okay. And I woke up Valentine morning, and he had the guitar strategically placed over his naked body, oh. and he sang me the Elvis Costello version of My Funny Valentine. Aww. And he was so in love with me that the way he sang it um, was just... And I'm a Jewish girl, and it's hard that's, to best a Jewish girl's expectations, ooh, yeah, wow. but it bested wow. all of us. That's that sweet. was like the greatest gift I ever got. That's really sweet. That it's all these years later, 30-something, and I, it's, it's my most cherished Valentine. Guys out there should be taking notes. <laughs> but, it, but it really doesn't take the hallmark moment. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't take the thing. It's, it's the thing that's going to mean something it to the other Mean something or make, yeah, knowing the person and not just... It in. The best gift I ever gave was in college. My boyfriend always was doing this, like Louise. He was always banging, and he wasn't a musician at all. He was a mathematician. And I went down to Nogales. I, we were in school in Tucson, and I got him a big conga drum. Oh. And um, he played that conga drum. I mean, you know, he wasn't a drum, but he taught himself and he played. Oh, that's nice. So, I mean, that's, that's like, yeah. you know, yeah. He gave me a fondue pot. Oh. <laughs> Did you make good fondue? No, I was furious. Oh, I was no. like, I don't want a fondue pot. Maybe he wanted fondue. I was, yeah, exactly. I was trying to give you a hint. Exactly. Okay, so, so, yeah. So, so, so she asked about what do you do when you uh, don't want to write, and it tied into okay. your question about yes. writing what you don't know. Thank you. There were a lot of days, like when we were writing, Sean and I had this idea for the Florida Project a long time ago in the year 2011. Oh, please tell us. I, I have to know. Please, can you give... The elevator pitch for what the Florida Project's about, because yes, yes. I can't. Because I do realize, I mean, this is a, still a small independent film. It's not a big studio blockbuster where there's billboards. And actually, my mother told me today that she was excited to watch the show. 
She's been trying to find... She's in New York. Oh. She couldn't find the Florida Project. She's been trying to find it yeah, to go. Yeah, it's... Uh, How is that happening? It's right, of course. Well, it opened on October 6th. Mm. And so it was, you know, in release in, in a lot of theaters in New York. And, right. Um, you know, it's, it's the kind of film, though, still, you can have the best reviews in the world. You know, we were fortunate enough to get a lot of good reviews for this you movie. You certainly do. Dreams come true, right? But still, it really depends on the word of mouth. And that's why, like, yes. we, I always try to write... Sean and I try to engage with as many Instagram and Twitter people who tweet about the film just to sort of let them know, thank you for seeing this movie on the big screen and, and supporting independent movies that absolutely helps us keep trying to make these things um, but anyway the thing is is that uh, there were times where we I know I'm jumping all over the place it's we, we do jump that's what we do we're, we're not linear this is <laughs> this is the road taken it's and like sometimes the road splinters we'll come back we'll come back to the, I love the freeway it. I love it. <laughs> so to get off the freeway I was just saying that we we, we jumped into this sort of um, with a, just a very basic idea. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of days that we, you know, you're just trying to write the story with your imagination, but sometimes you want it, when you want it to be realistic mm-hmm. and you don't want to sort of impose what you think it, it's going to be, you just sort of stop writing and just go and do the research and take research trips and immerse yourselves into the backdrop of what you're, where you're telling your story. And to me, that is writing. So that was my sort of long-winded answer. Of like, okay, so let's apply it directly to the Florida Project. Sure. So, so here you are, some guys from NYU, okay. and you've decided that you're going to write a film about transients who live in a welfare motel just outside of Disney World and the dichotomy of that whole situation. But what sparked the idea? So what sparked the idea is in 2000. In 2005, my mom relocated from. I grew up. I was born in. Oh, New and York. she's not Jewish, and she went to Florida. Oh yeah, she. <laughs> I was born in New York City, and then kind of grew up in the suburbs of like northern New Jersey. Okay. And then my mom uh, decided she was sick of the snow, and and there's just like no more, no more. We all live in LA. Yeah, we, so we you know understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she moved to Orlando. <laughs> now I've been going to. Disney World with my family ever since I was four years old. Okay. But it wasn't until my mom moved down there that I was ever exposed to outside of the radius of the 43 square miles that is the Disney property. And so it's once, 43 oh, square yeah. miles. Oh yes, it's their own city. Yeah. And uh, and oh so. Oh my god! I have no idea. It's not like Disneyland. No. Yeah, that's why I, Walt built I've, it. Ne- I've never <laughs> been to Disney World. I've only been oh, to Disneyland. Wow, there's so. a lot of differences. Okay. So it opened up in in '71, and mm-hmm. the reason why is because Walt, you know, he has that famous quote like, "Here we have the." We have the blessing of size, and he bought. I he, know a lot of men who have that claim. <laughs> yeah. But he, his, that's hilarious. He, um, yeah, he wanted a place where you know there would never be because he was quite upset um, that all those little cheap motels popped up on Harbor Boulevard, and it was getting in the way of what in Anaheim. Trying, in Anaheim, yeah. yeah. So that's why he wanted to take Disneyland's idea and make it a much more epic version of that. He had this dream for Epcot Center, which was originally going to be a city, uh-huh. and before it became the theme park that it did. And so he had huge plans for those. For that what, what do you mean it was going to be a city? Epcot was supposed to be the uh, experimental prototype community of tomorrow, and that's where we get our, our name from. The whole the whole wow. project was he called it the Florida Project. So we're getting around, but people people think this is no, a, I'm love. This is perfect. Yeah, so many people. I'll read. Okay, I get caught up sometimes in reading, as we all do. Like. YouTube comments or just talk back. Hello, that's my day. And nothing <laughs> bothers me. Like if people don't like this movie, it's not a movie for everybody. We don't want to make movies for everybody, and that's great. Like that doesn't phase me. When you're me. making a movie about transgender yeah. people, you are not making a movie no, for everyone. You Especially know, going from, in. yeah, yeah. Middle America. 
But the only thing that gets me is when people have been saying, oh, what a lazy title. They couldn't come up with something better than that. And they're not really, they're missing the point that uh, Walt called uh, Disney World the Florida Project when the press conference happened in 1967. But the double meaning being that a project, the projects are subsidized housing and low-income housing, and these motels are the version of that in Florida. Okay, I've seen the movie twice, and I didn't even figure double that meaning. out. And, oh it, and originally, God. we actually plussed it with a triple meaning that we had to sort of put in the recycle bin. It was a triple meaning that Mooney had a project of getting her first kiss during the summer. And it just wasn't working, and we took that out. So originally, it was even a triple meaning title. Um, uh, it's not a big deal, but I, I always want to like write back to them like, no, don't you understand? But you know, you know something though. Like I, I, I write for the Huffington Post and stuff, oh, where people yeah. can be like, they will just rip your guts out, you know, if they disagree with you. And yeah. and when I when I published my first piece, I literally would get on there and like cry to everybody, oh. and, you know, and defend myself and do all that kind. Of, and yeah. now then then it was like fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just stopped answering completely. But there is something about going in and having a conversation about something that yeah, not not to be not at a defensiveness right, right. but just out of education out of know? education yeah, yeah. because uh, uh, you might blow their mind yeah maybe maybe they'll somehow come across it and see if you do a google search for florida project it's so funny because there's like <laughs> half sean baker pictures and half uh, walt disney pictures so it's you funny. know I oh, actually, wow. I actually did do that search. Oh, yeah. um, I, I actually did. It's do like Walt with the map, right? At the, you know, um, so okay, so go back to the go back to the the two or three sentence elevator pitch for okay. what the Florida project yes. is. So so I was down there visiting my mom, mm -hmm. and when I go down there, I borrow her car to go to the theme parks because I'm a big Disney geek. Mm -hmm. And so going back and forth, you had to take US 192, mm -hmm. and to get to where she moved to, and I would go back and forth and. You know, one day, sitting at a red light, there's a bunch of children in, you know, you're just waiting for the, the lights take abnormally long to change green there. And so... They actually do by Disneyland also. I was just there for mm -hmm. Nam and down there. The lights don't change. Yeah. Lots of pedestrians crossing or something. Right. Or something. I don't know. Uh, but there were kids playing in the motel parking lots and they mm -hmm. were just playing like wiffle ball. And you didn't think anything of it the first time I, you know, drove mm -hmm. past. But the more times I visited her and the more times I would keep taking that stretch of highway back and forth to visit the property of Disney, I would see, okay, another motel, the same thing's going on. And, another, and I'm like, what are all these kids that are playing in these parking lots? And they don't look like tourist kids. Right. And, you know, oh, you, you can, can tell the tell. difference. Oh, they, yeah. they might have the Disney bags or Disney, you know, fan, you know. They shirts. look clean and they, they look put yeah, together. These, these kids yeah. were just having a fun time playing like hide and seek and even on bus stops. Like they were, I remember these kids were like playing on a bus stop right on the side of the road, using it like monkey bars and stuff. And so that led me to, well, I went home one night and my mom was like, oh yeah, it's really sad, you know, because she was telling me that she was aware that there's lots of families that are, you know, living there. And that was the first time I heard about the hidden homeless problem that they refer to it as, where these families, you know, they might not have the best credit or they, they can't afford first and last months deposit and all that. And I don't so, understand how they afford to live in a motel, which you I don't understand. That it's has to actually be expensive. comes to be like, you know, for Magic Castle, yeah. to live there, it'd be like 1200 a month. So how do they For afford, just the room. How do they do that? You know, that's the thing. That's what our movie was about. They, by any means necessary. So, okay, we saw the way a couple of people did yeah. it, but that, I mean, there were a lot of people we didn't know what they were doing, but right, they're kind right. of doing similar things, I guess. Right. And, and a lot of people have, you know, it's, it's not, not everyone, of course, is, is like to say Destitute. like Haley mm -hmm. in this movie who's in survival mode. You know, lots of people just, there was a guy named Troy who lived in the Magic Castle mm -hmm. with his lady, and 
perfect guy. I forgot where he worked, but he had a nine to five job. And that's just the only the reason why he lives there is because there's no commitment. It's, you know, month to month or week to week even. And Maid service? Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of perks. The free coffee in the lobby. And, <laughs> and, you know, you can come and go as you please. And you don't have to sort of commit to a lease or get that down payment or guarantor or whatever you need. Right. These places make it so hard. I remember when I came here to L.A. in 2009 in the first apartment, they wanted to see, like, my life story, tax records and run the background. You know, not that I have anything to hide, but it's like, geez, just for a studio apartment, you need all this? Now they're saying that, like, Smith is going to get an apartment in New York next year, and they're saying that you that you have to show that you earn, I can't remember what the percentage, like 50, like 50 times more than what the rent is going to be. Or it's some, like, ridiculous that. number. Yeah. It's, that it, it, I don't know how people do it. I really don't either. I mean, I guess you have, that's why in New York now, like everybody that I know that still mm -hmm. lives in Manhattan has like five roommates. Yes. To make it work. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so get back to the far part. So, so give us the, the little elevator pitch. So anyway, yeah, so I, I guess my heart went out to some of these kids because when I realized this, I did some more searching. And the first thing that came up, you know, I was doing this searching before I even told Sean Baker about it, was uh, San Bernardino. It mm -hmm. seems like there's a huge population of this going on in San Bernardino. So I'm like, wow, it's not just here. This is happening really? all across America. San Bernardino. Huh? Yeah. But then I was like, you know, there's still something. I kept coming back. You know, this is over the course of a few months. and Didn't think anything of it. And I went back and visited my mom a few months later uh -huh. and see, see more of that. And then I got the idea where it's just like, it tugged on my heartstrings that these kids were growing up stone's throw from the most magical place on earth, literally in the shadow of Cinderella Castle. And yet most probably haven't even been there. And, you know, also that what intrigued me was they were making their own magic. And so it didn't even matter. They were having the same childhood, you know, playtime as I would with their friends, whether it's like hide and seek or wiffle ball. And that's what intrigued me, that they were making their own magic despite maybe an unmagical backdrop. And so the light went off and I was, you know, Sean Baker and I have known each other since Tish. And we've always worked on each other's projects and I've known he loves Little Rascals. So, yeah, and, and Phil, Phil was, yeah, was talking about that. I grew up on the Little Rascals, my brother and I. Yeah, and that's why Sean's uh, eyes lit up when I mentioned it, because this was a way... Isn't he too young to know the Little Rascals? Well, we all are, but I mean, you know... But you just, studied in film school, yeah, whatever? Yeah, they were uh -huh. always growing up, they were always on. And, were they? Like, Still? I love Abbott and Costello, Me too. too. Well, sure we're all an artist. Yeah, they used to always show them, like, on a Sunday. I didn't know they still showed that stuff. I don't know if they in still do. But I'm in your generation, I didn't know they were still showing Yeah, like in the 80s, I'm thinking. Uh-huh. So, you know, that was the way in for him because we ne he never really was able to find a project that excited him to be uh, centered around kids and from a kid's point of view. And this kind of lent itself very well to that. So, yeah, so then things started moving and we started, we always knew from even 2011 before we even had a treatment that it was going to be, you know, we wanted to take certain Disney tropes and, you know, one of them is that there's always the single parent. So we always kind of envisioned this single mom bringing up her daughter in one of the motels before we even went down there to do research. Really? And, yeah, and so okay. we, we had that, and we had the ending. We always knew that the ending was gonna be this flight of fancy. Uh, and then and then the, the trick was, okay, well, what's our no story? No spoilers, you yeah. don't, don't say exactly what that right, is. Right, right, okay. which is also open to interpretation. So there's a lot of people, very divisive. Some people hate the ending. And some people are like, okay, it can mean this and that. Some people seem to really love it. We had a big debate about it when you yeah, showed yeah. it at Phil's. And yeah. that's fine too. Like mm -hmm. Sean and I actually love, like we don't get offended if people don't like it. We love discussing mm -hmm. it. And uh -huh. We don't get, you know, we love it. Um, we don't really think of, if 100% of the people see your movie and love it, 
I don't know. I mean, it's kind of cool to have a movie where it's either. I like I like that you feel that way. Yeah. Um, I respect that. Okay, so you have this idea, and then tell everybody how you found the mom. Oh, so yeah, so Bria Venante plays Haley in the film, and uh, we wrote it. You know, when we write, we always think in your mind's eye of of what like an A lister, of course, even if you know you're never gonna get. Who'd you think of? So in this movie. I can only speak for myself, but it was sort of like we we never intended to cast people like this. Right. But we were always thinking of people like a former Masketeer, like let's say a Britney Spears or a Christina. Aguilera. Oh, I love that. Just to sort of fill in that blank and help yourself envision. Did what you it try? Could be. We didn't even try. Um, there were some that other, is so fun. There were some other considerations. Britney would have been actually. I, I, I she wouldn't have been better, but. She would have been a very right. interesting choice. But to, but Sean, I give him so much credit. He's very smart. And he mm-hmm. knew that for this role, and pretty much for wherever we can get away with it in the movie, it called out for first-timers. Mm. And he wasn't even sure about now, t- that. Now, t- t- tell us why that is. I think just if you come into a movie about this kind of subject matter and you see Britney Spears, who's <laughs> you know obviously one of the most person yeah. playing this kind of role, there's something that your brain has a hard time separating it and maybe it becomes less realistic. And we, we're going for something that almost, we want... It's we so want, realistic that I, the first time, I saw it twice. Oh, the first you. time I saw it, I felt like, oh my God, I'm with these kids. I wanted to scream at them, shut up! Oh, I yeah. mean, like, yeah. they're making so much noise and they're running no, around, I, I get it. right? Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> That's fun. Some people have commented things like that. Like, now I know I, I shouldn't have kids. <laughs> no, I mean, and I have kids, and I love kids. And, and But the second time I saw it, I didn't feel that way at all. But we want a realistic feeling. But it was so and, realistic. And some people yeah. think it's a documentary. And, and as a writer, that's a hard thing for me to... I, I struggled with that for a while with Tangerine, but now it's like the ultimate compliment. If people think that what you've done is this documentary that's not uh-huh. even scripted, and we work so hard on the script, uh-huh. that's a compliment to maybe feeling like, okay, we pulled off something that doesn't even feel like we wrote it. Absolutely. Which, is a- Which Tangerine, by the way, we, 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 uh, we can't. We got to finish with the Florida oh, Project sure. before we go to Tangerine, but <laughs> we got to talk about Tangerine because there's so much there. Yeah, of course. But, okay, so... Uh, so, yeah, so basically, to finish your question, it's, it's that... Uh, Real people. Yes. Uh, just trying to find fresh faces and you know, first-timers and people who want to act. Like, we'll talk about Starlet, too, and Vasetka, who plays the uh, eighty-five-year-old uh, woman in that movie. <laughs> it was her lifelong dream to act, and, and we found her in a YMCA. And, yeah, and you'd seen I go. just can't take it. Okay, <laughs> so she doesn't have how did you get? How did you get to, Will, to Willem Dafoe? He was a fan of Tangerine, and that was through ICM. That was yeah. uh, Sean, you but know. But did you reach out to him? ICM, I think, contacted. Sean is with ICM. I'm, okay. I'm with Verve. Okay. Uh, and and it was an ICM connection. Okay. And so they set it up. Now, Willem came in late at the gate. And he's oh. talked about this, too. We, we never I actually really... saw him speak about the movie after, but I, I feel like I know so much more about it now having oh. met you, but tell us Yeah, we had, we had, a, we always had the Bobby character. Okay. And we even had Bobby and a, and a brother character. And we were thinking in terms, because we were, again, we're doing all this research for mm-hmm. two years. Mm-hmm. And you get, and that informs the script, and we were always rewriting it. You was know, he always going to be lovable, like with the kids? Well, that's the thing. He was a little bit more of a, like a sort of a hardened Vietnam vet type. Okay. And uh, when, when, when things started getting down to the wire, and we found out that Willem could be, possibly be interested in working with us, I told Sean, you know, if we're going to use Willem, let's write something that we haven't seen before with him. He's always playing, not always, I mean, he's done some He's a lot of villain. But, yeah, he's a lot of villain. A lot of villain, right? Yeah. And so that was an appeal to us, and we combined 
uh, Bobby's brother with Bobby, and we tried to make him more of this surrogate dad figure and a likable guy. You know what's really interesting about that? I didn't think about it till you just said it, but it probably is his most endearing character that I've ever seen him play. Oh, yeah. Um, quite lovely, oh, actually. Yeah, and there's that amazing. moment that is unexplained that we'll talk about later that, oh, uh, yeah, with yeah. his son. Right. And, yeah. But, um, Which I is interesting because a lot of the people, Shiching uh, Zhou, who's our producer, she actually plays Mama Sign, Tangerine, at the donut shop. She's, uh, she's in uh, China right now. And uh -huh. they just, we just opened in uh, Taiwan. I've been and, to that donut shop. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Danny Trejo took oh. it over now. I haven't, what? Yeah, it's not donut time anymore. I know. Donut Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo. What's oh or Trejo? My. I don't know how it, to pronounce it. It's like it. a fitness thing. No, he, it's Trejo's Donuts. He just took it over. And, uh, Are you kidding me? I haven't, bro, I haven't been able to bring myself to go because it's a little sad. Because no, Donut Time is a piece of our. Well, it was yeah, and it was Donut Time for a long time. Forever. Oh. Yeah, and it was like the hub for that sort of unofficial red light yeah. district. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. But, um, uh, People, we'll talk about that. The dad and okay. something yeah. has, has a new interpretation that we never even considered. Oh, I love that. All right, but we don't want to do that to people who haven't seen it okay. yet. Okay. Spoiler. Because you guys, okay, so people that haven't seen it, it's not in the theater now. Do you do you have any idea when it's yeah, going to be? Yeah, it's, it's still out there. Like, it, it, it's still playing, I think, here in uh, uh, Westwood. But uh, how about for, see people, for people out in the world? When iTunes, is it going to be? iTunes, Amazon. Okay. It's, it's there Good. for purchase okay. or rent digitally now. And then next week, the 20th, is the Blu-ray and DVD. We love that. So there's all starting next week. There's all the ways okay, to great. see it. I still I'm a hard media, physical media guy. Still, we were just talking about this. Doesn't it? People make fun of me that I'm old just because I want to buy a CD. <laughs> but I like a nice tangible thing. I know. I know. I you know the thing is like I, we we kept all our albums. Yeah. Right until about five years ago. <gasps> All album, and then what and then well, because we moved from New York, no, gave them to a guy who is going to put them all on streaming stuff. Okay. Not even on CDs anymore because okay. that won't work. Just all digitize on, on everything. Di just digitize he's everything. Throw away the albums? No, he wanted them. They could be so worth he's, he's going to keep them. I know we, we gave away ridiculous. Some of them that are out of print. I, it's ridiculous. Don't, don't I, I can't. I'm, okay, I'm yeah, sorry. I, don't I'm sorry. don't make me be filled with regret. I have everything like in boxes. That's not my. Okay, but thank you, mom, for letting me keep it all. Well, my mother threw out my, everything. So I, but I, in 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 my very later years, I am not that I'm in very later years, but in my recent You're years, I am learning that things are not what matter. Mm. And so I'm getting more and more like photographs. I'm, my mother wants me okay. to print. No, I'm, I'm I'm all about everything being on. I'm on my computer twenty four seven. Space. Just put it on the damn computer. I can see. I can access As you it. You back up. What if the hard drive crashes? I have fifteen yeah. backups. Anxiety. I got Time Machine. I got all okay. kinds of things going right. on. Right. Okay, but so anyway, so <laughs> so wait. What story were you telling me? Such us? anxiety. I I uh, I know. Nice DVD on the shelf. But well, you know, I I, yeah, I, but I, I have some. I, I have some, but I've gotten rid. But see, books. I have yeah, books. Yeah, yeah. I like to read physical books. Right. So, all right. So, where were we with in this story? With DVD comes out next week. Okay, but where, okay, and where were we with the Florida Project with the making of the Florida Project? So yeah. So basically, it took us a while. Okay, this is. Let's rewind. Okay. Right after the MTV show that you mentioned, Warren DA. Okay. Uh, we did a film called Starlet. When right. It got canceled and. Um, it was right when we were writing Starlet, before we even shot Starlet, okay. that, that I started... Having this idea? Yeah. And we thought it would be the next film. And then Starlet ended, it got some great reviews, but again, just a very, very small film, came out in 2012. How much... Excuse me, what was your budget for Starlet? 250000 That is... Did you shoot that on iPhones? No. No, that was digital. That was a, just a digital uh, camera that we had, and Radium Chong was a great cinematographer who worked with us before. 
So how made did you it look have more that, expensive than it was? How yeah. did you have that for Starlet but not for Tangerine? So here's the thing. By the way, I just wanted to comment that. Yeah. Radium Chung and Sean were mad geniuses on Starlet because a lot of films, just because you have no money, doesn't right. mean you can't have a really like good looking film. And a lot of times, what I notice is like people, I find out. Like, there'll be movies on Netflix that I watch. Yeah. And no, nothing against the story or whatever. Uh-huh. But I just think that sometimes things tend to look really flat. Yes. And I'm like, why do they all look so flat? Why don't they look more, like, with just cinematic? And, uh -huh. um, you know, lots are... The, the, you need a DP who really knows lenses. And mm. Sean and Radium, they track down these, like, vintage Russian Lomo lenses, they're called, from a guy up in Santa Clarita that had them. Very rare. And so putting those things on and rigging them up to the huh. digital camera that we were using gives that film a really cool sort of look and you get those nice flares and it almost like, you know, some people think it was oh, film. Wow. And so that's the kind of thing where I don't think you really You did the need... same thing with, with Tangerine with the iPhones, right? You had special yeah, lenses yeah. on the iPhones. It exactly. wasn't like somebody just did what we're doing. Well, yeah, because we wanted to shoot it, you know, we're still cinephiles. And so the reason why we shot on that wasn't a gimmick. A lot of people kind of thought okay. that. Strictly a budgetary decision. So after Starlet, we were having heart. We thought that would be, you know, in the old days... Like Kevin, in the old days. Well, like in the, I'm thinking like, okay. So in the Kevin, old days, the 90s. Kevin's still oh, made clerks. Yes. And then he jumps up to mall rats. And right. then he jumps up to chasing Amy. Right. But we, we felt like this was a step backward. We were having a hard time jumping up from the 250 level of Starlet. Despite the, the reviews, you can look those up. I mean, people seem to like it, but. I have to, is there, I have to, I have to It was on it. Netflix. It's still okay. available on Blu-ray and DVD. And it'll come back. Like yeah. every now and then Netflix will take it away and then rotate. Mm -hmm. It was just taken away on February 1st. But it's still out there. Um, I'll bring you a DVD or, well, you know, I'll bring you a digital my, file of it. My, my son can put it in his okay. old computer and okay. then digitize it for me. Um, and so Mark Duplass and the Duplass brothers okay. were a fan of Sean's previous film before Starlet called Prince of Broadway. And also a film called Takeout that mm -hmm. he did with Cha-Ching before that. And he had sort of a standing offer where he, you know, they said, we don't have a lot of money to give you, but if you can come up with something that lends itself to micro-budget, you know, and Florida Project wasn't going to be it. There's no way we could have done what we wanted to do with right. Florida Project. Right. 400. Mm -hmm. So we just started brainstorming and we came up with Tangerine and the iPhones were a result of basically having no money. Okay, we just and started brainstorming and came up with Tangerine, which is the story <laughs> of transgender prostitutes. Okay, let and me go into them. I'll go in. And the Armenian cab driver who's obsessed with them. What? <laughs> Come on! Okay, how do right. you write this story? Okay. We, it's truly born from the location and being fascinated with the location. We both lived in walking distance of Donut Time. Okay. So we both were very familiar for years, even before we lived here in 2009. Okay. Because we came here in 2001 for the Fox show, and I was back and forth all the time visiting friends. And so you know about that area. And I, I, McCadden, right at the Gay and Lesbian Center. I went to meetings every Saturday there, my home group. Well, that's so, where we met Maya and Kiki. Do you know this? Which I knew. I, yeah. I, I read somewhere that you had met them at, at, exactly. at a Gay and Lesbian Center. So we knew there was all sorts of shenanigans going down. And yeah. we, we approached this movie where it's like, let's just find a story that takes place in this environment of donut time. Because you just decided that you just, you were, we were drawn to a, this. Yeah, and just of... sort of make a, make a sort of guerrilla, down and dirty movie, you know, what is the story here? We knew that there was like, we, we would pass by and see fights breaking out on the corner. Mm -hmm. So there's like lots of drama that's there and we wanted to investigate. And then we just started hitting the streets and you just go up, you know, like you go into the stores, you go, hey... Because for all we know, it could have been a movie about Donut Time, just like the workers there. 
We didn't okay. know. Okay. And um, you're walking around and you're looking for... That, that, that'd be kind of interesting, that's too. That's a other movie, so we'll yeah. go write that the one. That are, the people that are coming in and out of that place, yeah. well, well, it's not there anymore. Right. Getting tree over the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. To be safe, I don't know if they're good. We should go check it out. Okay. Um, and go so one day, lo and behold, we're walking around and we pass by the center. Um, the LGBTQ right. center and and Maya is there. Okay. And um, she, uh, great. A lot of people, you know, they see these two white guys walking up, and they're just kind of like, <laughs> you know, screw you. Like we they're don't want to talk to you. They're also African American transgender prostitutes. Right. And they think like some of them even thought we were cops, and we were like, oh. do we look like cops? We look- you could. I- and I don't know what their their deal is. So we yeah. so you know, you don't want to force anybody to talk to you that doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. But then Maya, um, who who plays Alexandra in the film, she greeted us with open arms and right yeah. there she, we just sat down on the picnic table mm-hmm. right outside and she's like, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Like what do you want to know? And we told her, you know, the films that we were involved with so she can look us up, thank goodness for IMDB, so she knew that we were just like, you know, wasting her time. Right. And uh had she ever acted? No, no she no. wanted to. She um, wanted she, to, but yeah, had never. She, she, her goals were more uh, music. Okay. Like being a singer. She's the one who sings in the movie. Yeah, and really well. Oh yeah, that's her voice. You really know, not, well. Not manipulated. Yeah, um, yeah. At all, and then she's like, "I have to introduce you to my roommate, Kiki uh, Rodriguez, who you know who plays Kiki C- Cindy." Is what this this woman is absolutely. How yeah. much of that was acting and how much of that was sitting down the person? No, that's the thing is that there's a real good blend there. She's yeah. not that that oh, well, of course. off the deep end. Okay. Um, but the cool thing was we just approached them. Like This is exactly the kind of collaborations that we like to form mm-hmm. as sort of like our window into the world that we wouldn't have access to on our own, right? And so we took them out to dinner, out to lunch. Uh, and, you know, it was actually just, we're cheap dates, I guess. It was, they wanted to go to In-N-Out Burger Right on La Brea. Nice. No, but <laughs> that's, we just, hey, wherever you want to go. So we went to In-N-Out. Mm-hmm. And we sat there for hours. Just Okay, now what's going on when you're sitting in In-N-Out with two yeah. African-American trans prostitutes? Yeah, Kiki's a, a Latina. Latina, and, uh, yeah, okay. And, and Maya is a... a so now what's happening when you're sitting there yeah. having hours-long conversation in and out Well... Is, is, there, any, is there anything... Are a people lot of looking laughing. at you? You know, who cares? I love when people look. I, 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 I'm like that kind of thing where, you know, like, I, I encourage looking because... But I'm imagining I'm sort of spiteful you... and I want to, like, challenge society's, like, you know... Clearly, by the films you make. But I'm imagining shooting out in the streets and, and going yeah, to places yeah. that you're getting... You're, that people are quite curious. There, there was probably... Honestly, we were so fascinated with what they were saying that I couldn't really say. I'm sure there were the stairs. Because yeah. Kiki was getting really loud. <laughs> and there was so much laughing. She, they were, this is the magic that happened. Never forget it. Like it was yesterday. Right there in that first meeting with the two of them, it was an explosion of just chemistry. Mm-hmm. And that's when me and Sean looked at each other later in the day and we're like, okay, what if they're not just collaborators? What if we centered the movie around these two? Because it, they were cracking us up and we just found them so So it just happened in that moment. Interesting, yeah. And, um, and they both were down, you know, and... We started, you know, because we, we had ideas by that point, by the time we were walking up. A lot of people think it's based on their lives. It's not really based on anything mm-hmm. that they told us. But you, you hear ideas and you hear about makeshift brothels in motel rooms. And then your imagination wants to play with that. Like, what yeah, can we that, do? that place is crazy. Like, knowing that that's real. Uh-huh. Okay, that, there's a placeholder. Let's put that there. 
chaos in a motel brothel. <laughs> and then like Maya would tell us, you know, because she's from that life and stories of people that she knew. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, when Johns don't want to get a hotel room, go to the car wash because it gives you privacy. That. So you, you can, you, by the way, you can get a blow job from the start of a car wash to the end. You can be done. Yeah, Who knew? Yeah. And, and it's perfectly timed with all the suds that happen at the end, which we, which, Louise which looks we, more, look at sorry, Louise's face. She sorry, looks mortified. I thought I would come out cleaner. So this is my, sorry. And on Valentine's Day, no less. Yeah. I mean, well, it is Valentine's Day. So, uh, yeah. So you, you try to, you have this bulletin board on on the wall of your place filled yeah. with all these index cards. And that's the kind of thing, like if anybody that didn't know what you were up to, it might be a little strange. Blowjob in, in the car wash. That's what You have a thing on your wall that says blowjob in the car wash. And, uh, but yet somehow it all forms into a, a narrative. And that's so fun, is picking out these little Okay, pieces. I love this. So let's talk about this. How does the narrative, I love the way you're coming at this. It's not writing what you know. Yeah. It's it's diving in and letting things happen to you. Yeah. How does this narrative form? I mean, that's the thing is we were overthinking it with Tangerine for a while, you know. And sh- can you can you give the um, the two line elevator pitch for those of who haven't seen Tangerine? Yeah, it's been a while is? since I've actually done it word for word, but it's Christmas Eve in uh, in, in Tinseltown and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cindy Rella has just gotten out of prison and she decides to, she needs to track down the pimp who broke her heart. <laughs> that, that's perfect. That's, that's a perfect elevator pitch for it. Okay, so how does the narrative, how, okay, because a lot of people that are watching out there are writers, mm-hmm. there are screenwriters, okay. there are producers, okay. there are all kinds of people in the business. Let's take this so project. Let, let, let's, yeah. Let's take and and there are lots of those people too. L- let's take and a lot of act a lot of wonderful actors. I'm, I'm, Louise, tell us. I can't wait it, to see her. Louise, look at the see no if anybody wants to ask Chris any questions and if anybody has anything to say we should know about or if there's anybody we should talk to. But um, let's take Tangerine for example. Okay. Even though the Florida Project is 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 more current. Okay. Um, start to finish. Yeah. So you've started us off on how it began. How do you now? So, and, and, and Sean has a deal, so he's going to get some financing. So you didn't have to raise money for it? And that's the thing. So we pitched this to Mark, and Sean called him up, and like all he had to say, the way Sean tells the story, because I wasn't on that phone call, was we pitched him a couple of ideas. We even okay. pitched him Florida Project. But um, Tangerine, you know, corner of Hollywood and Santa Monica, Donut Time, and he knew right away what we were going for, and he's like, okay, you're onto something, you know, keep going. Okay, so now how does the narrative develop? So you've, you've met these two trans prostitutes, you right. love them, you decide to build a movie around them, right. you've got the blowjob in the thing, you've got the brothel right. in the motel. And we, and we knew there was a beatdown, there had to be a beatdown. Okay. And so we were overthinking it a lot, and we were coming up with convoluted stories, and, and at one point, I don't know if it was my, me or Sean, it doesn't matter, but one of us were like, you know, what if that's the movie? What if it's just a simple A to B plot of her just trying to go comb through the city looking for this guy Chester, who she thought loved her, but you know he's a he's just a pimp, and she got to, you know you don't get feelings for a pimp. It's a number one rule in the book, and so uh, yeah, and so we were like, okay, maybe that is enough. Maybe that could just mm-hmm. be the whole story, and it's all these crazy adventures mm-hmm. on this wild ride, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we were off. But here was the big stumbling block for yeah. me, because for me, and we were talking about this before, 
where I still have a problem where I just, I'm not a writer who finds it easy unless I can emotionally click in. And, mm -hmm. and this is where writing what you know can come into writing what you don't know. Ah, okay. Because I still couldn't figure out what, I guess I couldn't figure out if I wasn't involved with this movie, why would I care? You know, would I see this movie? Okay, that's a really good question because I would imagine you don't get a mainstream audience yeah. for a film about trans prostitutes. Right, and maybe not everyone could ever care, but for me personally, I need to care. Okay. And so the way it clicked in was when I realized that this is just about a girl with a broken heart. Mm -hmm. And who hasn't had a broken heart? And so if we can just write it that way, you're not, people are always asking Q&As like, how did you write a trans character if you're not you know, trans yourself? It's just, it's just a human, and mm -hmm. it's just this girl with a broken heart who's really hurt by this guy who she thought she loved. So if you approach it like that, and I've had broken hearts, mm -hmm. just come from it from that emotional place, and, and then you're set. And that's the, that's the secret, is just finding the emotional connection for I, yourself. I like that. that. That is very, that's succinct. I, mm -hmm. I, I like that. Mm -hmm. um, okay, before we continue on the movies, let's go back to you. How, how, because mm -hmm. it's a, your story is pretty amazing that you have been able to build this career. Okay, so you start out, you're a kid in New... Yeah, making movies since I was nine. Uh, well, moved to New Jersey when I was five. What, 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 what's, what, what sparked you to want to be a filmmaker? Things just like the movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark and all mm -hmm. the Indiana Jones movies and Star Wars and Back to the Future and all the typical things that you hear. I'm such a cliche, because everybody says those. Did you, watch t did you watch a lot of TV? Oh, yeah. Like, what were your TV influences? A-Team. <laughs> uh, uh, you know stuff like even just all the sitcoms I love mm -hmm. Three's Company mm -hmm. I love and then you just watch like reruns of the Brady Bunch and of course when I was a kid and then brings you into like the late 80s like my favorite show was Alf I just love Alf so much <laughs> I love that I went for him. yeah and um just all that stuff oh and then Amazing Stories Blue I wish they're redoing. I'm so excited about this. The Spielberg's bringing back amazing stories. Is that so? It was an anthology show in like 86, 87. Yeah. And every week was a different half hour uh -huh. episode. And they were like these mini movies. And it just like changed. It wasn't like any, you know, I guess, you know, Twilight Zone did it way before that. Right. And Alfred Hitchcock Presents and all that. Fantastic. So this was in line with those. But right. for me, that was like my introduction to what an okay. anthology show. Now they're so popular. Oh, right? God, Black Mirror. Black like, Mirror, yeah. be bigger. Yeah. But that, that was sort of like a dream. Like, I want to direct one of those someday. And okay, so your first, your first attempt? Yeah, it was just it was called the movie one, and my mom <laughs> shot it. Grandpa's Super Eight camera, and no sound about. Uh, oh, you were the actor in it. See, that's the thing. Did you want to be an actor? I never wanted to be an actor, but huh. it was very difficult all through from nine years old mm -hmm. all the way through high school graduation, eighteen, always making these movies, and they would always evolve. And the reason why, even though I didn't want to be an actor. It was frustrating because a lot of friends wouldn't show up, and they and it's like okay. So you'd have to act. I'd have to act, <laughs> and sometimes even do the multiple roles mm -hmm. just to make these movies because people would flake out on you. Yeah. And it's like okay, I'm not paying my friends to do this. So then I started bribing them with movie tickets. I'm like, <laughs> if you show up on some, yes, I know you were going to do that Sunday, but how about I buy you a movie and pizza? Can you act in my movie? And so I would use my allowance oh, to, to do so it. So in other words, so your mom was supportive of everything you were doing from the beginning. Oh yeah, and my dad too. You know, they were both supportive and. Uh, but my mom helped me shoot them, um, and, and <laughs> that's she was good. She's a good, mom. good at camera work, you know. And um, <laughs> and so yeah, they went from these like little three minutes. What were you shooting on? Well, uh, the, when I was nine, it was uh, my grandpa's Super Eight. The Super Eight, old okay. Super Eight cartridge. Mm -hmm. It's like three minutes with uh -huh. no sound. And then um, in high school, for my birthday, I got a uh, 
one of the old, the VHS camcorders. And the kind that back then it was super cool because that was at the point where, I don't know if you remember this, but the very first ones yeah. were like this portable production studio where you had the camera and it was rigged up to this thing you had to wear on your shoulder where, uh -huh. the, where the tape went in. But these were the first ones where you, you could play back. Pop Couldn't the tape. You? Yeah. Yes. But this was a Panasonic yeah. okay. where you pop the tape and it's just this one unit and it's still a shoulder thing. It's uh -huh. so heavy. It's uh -huh. like 10 pounds. Uh -huh. But... Yeah, that's what I, and we would take that to Disney World and shoot movies, and now I can make two-hour movies, because the VHSs could be two hours in the SP mode. Wow. The, so the, but they were so boring. But I, I learned, <laughs> that's how I learned editing. It was like self-teaching myself how to edit. Okay, so the dream from the get-go, yeah. the first thing you ever wanted to do was be a filmmaker. Oh, Was yeah. there anything before that? Never. Never. Like, it was what you ice wanted. ice cream truck driver, me. <laughs> <laughs> so, because you get the free ice cream. Yes. Yeah. So, and it's so, a cool truck. It is a good truck, especially good humor. I don't know if you remember good humor. Good humor's were the best. Good, so good. Yeah. I, I am so jealous of Rupert Grint because I heard he bought one. You know who played Ron Weasley in the Harry Potter movies? He bought He bought a nice key and an ice cream truck. Oh, so God, he's living funny. my dream. Yeah. Okay, so so you so you want to be a filmmaker. You start making films right away. Yeah. There's never anything else you want to do. No, which scared a lot of people, even my high school guidance counselor, because back then, you know, it wasn't as popular as it is now. Now schools have their own, you know, right. production studios. But back then, I remember going in, like, as a junior in high school, and he asked me what I'm, you know, going to be focusing on mm -hmm. as a career, maybe what I would want to major in. Because I knew all about these film schools. Like, I always thought it would be USC. Right. Because I would, you know, I would it's read... It's the most famous, yeah. Yeah, and I would read about Lucas and Spielberg. And right, of course. And he's like, no, I, I'm not talking about a hobby, Chris. I'm talking about what do you want to do for a living? And I was just, like, so fed up. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's so stupid. <laughs> And, and I was like, yes, people can do that for a living. Who, who do you think directs movies? And I was like a little <laughs> smart ass. But, but I was really upset that he was just not taking what I said seriously. And, uh -huh. and then, um, you know, no help whatsoever. The guidance counselor not doing his job. And, and I just started finding out about all these schools. And I was OCD about it. Like I had 10. And I did what they tell. I guess not a lot of... I didn't realize how in the minority I was with this because I thought everybody did this where you'd have like your three safeties, your three middles, and then your three reaches. Right. And NYU for me was one of the three reaches. Right. And same with USC. And USC rejected me because they said I could get into like their general studies program. Right. But it was too much money for too much risk and too far away. And that's why NYU seemed to be the right choice. Uh-huh. Because I couldn't believe I got into NYU. And I, I don't think it was for my grades because I wasn't a straight A student. And... You know, I think it was because of my portfolio that I submitted, and I had like some of those films I made. And nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so you get into Tish. When do you meet Sean? How does that happen? Yeah, uh, it was either the end of freshman year or the beginning of sophomore year. He was a friend of uh, of another friend. And so now, are there other guys that you guys went to? There are other guys that you guys went to NYU. To oh Tish yeah, with that, that I you still used, work with right? today. Yeah. So, so what happened? Did you like? find each other and then make a film there together? Yeah, that's a really good question because I wanted to leave NYU after the first weekend. I just oh, felt what? really out of place. How, uh, why? I, I decorated my dorm room with Back to the Future posters framed. <laughs> part one, two, and three. And, and I think I, you know, I had some other posters up there too, like Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. And, uh, and they were making fun of them. Because like, it, it was a room with four people. Mm -hmm. So one of the guys, Dan Milano, wasn't there. He went home the first weekend. And I would later become really good friends with Dan. But I didn't he's, know. he's on all your films. I see his name. And he's also Greg the Bunny, voice of Greg. Right, and, right. And, um, yeah. and the voice of Warren the Ape. 
Oh, he's the voice. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, and, oh. and performer and, okay. you know, co-creator of that. But, um, but these other guys were like these pretentious dudes who I guess were too cool for those movies. So wait a minute, they put you, that you roomed with people that were in the film school? They weren't all in the film school. Because when, Samantha didn't get put with anybody yeah, from Tish. Yeah, Dan from was. Tish. Those, those guys, like, uh, there were two other guys that uh-huh. were, and they were in Tish. Okay. But, uh, but their friends would come over and sort of like, ooh, <laughs> so Hollywood. That's a future, really? Like, a studio movie? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, and that was my first exposure to that. <laughs> because I... I came from a place where it's like, okay, my high school sucks. These people suck. They don't know anything about movies. And they're, they're Did, were you already into independent? Were you already uh, a little a fan, bit? Like there were movies really. like Slacker uh-huh. and stuff like that, where you'd go to the Angelica Film Center. Loved that it. was the main spot for mm-hmm. it back then. They just closed Lincoln Plaza. I know. Oh. And the Sunshine on House District. Mm-hmm. Were you familiar with Landmark Sunshine? It's a great place. Crazy. Because I lived on Fifth Street and A, so I would go to the Sunshine a lot. I. Ran a club on Bleecker Street, so yeah. You ran a club on Bleecker? The Rock and Roll Cafe. It's not there anymore, but it's Ooh, next yeah, to the Bitter End. It was the other end, the Bitter Now it's called something like uh, so, uh, Wicked Willies oh. or some I lived right down the block from Well, there you go. Oh. In the 80s. No, you, you were there 90s, later. Yeah, yeah, but still, wow. I was only there in 90. Oh. Um, okay, so. So, uh, you know, um, I thought that going from high school, to, I would be like, yeah, finally, there's going to be people like me here. And it kind of like was devastating when these people didn't really, I didn't click with anybody. They were like too avant-garde. I guess. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't know. There was just this sort of like elitist condescending Mm -hmm. attitude Mm -hmm. everywhere I turned. Wow. And I'm not saying this about NYU as a whole. I'm just saying about, in my experience, the people that I was exposed to was like that. There's a lot of that. Anything bad. Mm -hmm. Because that's everywhere. Mm -hmm. But it was my first time experiencing that. And then I think what started happening was then Dan came back from Long Island and Dan loved the posters and Dan had the same sensibilities and wanted to make the same kind of movies and loved Disney movies. Oh, nice. And didn't think you were weird to like Disney movies and they're not just for kids. And uh, and then uh, from there, classes began and then there were a couple more people like that, like a guy named Matthew Huffman who I still uh, work with and Kurt Leitner, Eric Eckstein. We all sort of formed this creative mafia that uh, that we were able to sort of Stick together in a, in a sense. I mean, so and what's the first thing that you and Sean wrote together? I don't know what I, the Greg the Bunny stuff because okay. we would always work on each other's movies. But back then, you know, you, you do something like Sight and Sound, but you're doing these shorts since they don't have sound, um, and then you have sound on your last one, and then you do like a narrative film that's about ten minutes. And we were always helping each other on each other's films. Oh, nice! But we weren't really collaborating together. Yet. I see. But just so like, how did you get that first gig? How did you get Greg the Bunny? How did that happen? We started on New York Public Access, and I was still finishing. I was doing like a 30-minute senior thesis film. That actually graduated before finishing it, which you're not supposed to do. I don't even know how that happened. but I think Ben Abelson, uh, uh, Ben Abelson, um, Ben, uh, Ben Abelson is my brother-in-law. I think Ben um, um, Rosenthal also graduated oh. before he finished his, his okay. uh, final so film. Sometimes yeah. Exceptions, yeah. Exceptions, yeah. Yeah. And then those guys were starting up uh, Greg the Bunny, and I would be helping them on New York Public Access, which, you know, you could still do it to this day. And that's where, you know, Sandy Kane, who plays Gloria in the movie, yeah. The Carter Project? Uh-huh. That's how we know her. She's from the New York Public Access world. Wow. And you could just use their studio for free and put on your own show. Nice. And that's what Greg started. And then from there, uh, Independent Film Channel was a new thing, and they were, they were interested in having Greg the Bunny do these little interstitials and sort of introduce movies that were going to be on the channel. And so you do little parodies of, of the 
movies. The, whatever mm -hmm. movie they were showing that week, you do a parody of. You know, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, for example, and you uh -huh. have the puppets kind of do a parody <laughs> of that. And then that led to the Fox incarnation, which was actually Steve Levitan was the showrunner on that. Wow. And, you know, he went on to... Uh, Big to, things. Yeah. And um, Modern now, Family. Modern family yeah. Just Shoot Me at the, around that same mm -hmm. time. And um, uh, But, you know... That was, but it's so ha so that wait, was a different version. So you're about to get your first big break. I'm imagining that's yeah. your first big break working at Fox. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's still it's still a challenge because you're learning all. There's more cooks in the kitchen, and it's sort of a more watered down version. And there was mm. a lot of a lot of different sensibilities uh, colliding there, and then and then that led. So did you get, excuse me, did you get the gig because like one of you from your mafia would get in some, and then yeah, you would all really, go with? Dan Milano and, and Spencer Chinoy uh, were the ones that, that drove that okay. to, to Fox. Uh-huh. But then when that, we did 12 episodes, um, and it really, you know, it wasn't really well uh, received at Fox. Uh, but what that's year was that? That, that was, was like, in 02. And that's like, yeah, Sarah Silverman and Seth Green and mm -hmm. Eugene Who are amazing. And so cool working with them that when we got to go back to IFC and make my favorite incarnation of the show uh, until the MTV one, but we'll get to that. Uh, we did 05 and 06, we went back to Independent Film Channel with more film parodies, but this was like the truest form where it was R-rated, we could have nudity and swearing. Uh-huh. Sarah's perfect for that. Yeah, and Seth and Sarah came <laughs> back and, and, and even Eugene and came back and did little cameos for us and that was really My fun. kids are obsessed. It's Shit's Creek. They oh, are yeah, good. obsessed. Yeah. Eugene's great. Yeah. Um, and then finally, a couple of years, it was always this thing where there were so many incarnations of this thing that nobody still heard of. It still had this like cult status. But MTV loved that. Mm -hmm. And so we got a spinoff called Warren the Ape because mm -hmm. Warren was Greg's you know, puppet co-star. And it was a fake reality show, 2010, of this puppet ape trying to come make his comeback in LA. And again, we bring up Sarah and Seth and Eugene back, and you can get that on iTunes. There was never a DVD, but that's what led us into Starlight. Because again, we only got one season because at the time we were getting about five hundred thousand viewers per week, which, if we were on Adult Swim, would be nice. Right. But there, you're competing against like two million or even more, uh, five million a week for Jersey Shore. Right. Snooki was at the height of her powers, and so they're Snooki's like, "Snooki's at need, the height of her powers." Yeah, we need more Jersey Shore. Has that Shore. sentence ever been said before? Maybe. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, and the situation was at the height of his... Oh, the situation. Who's I hear in big trouble now, right? <laughs> taxes? He did some tax... Uh, he's in a tax situation. And he's, he's got a situation, yeah. Anyway, and, and yeah. so we had stunt casting. I'm going to make this quick. Yeah. I'm boring. But we no, had stunt casting. We wanted to appeal to you know younger demographics and males for MTV. And we have adult film stars come on the show. Yeah. And we even went to the Porn Awards in one episode. In, in like the first episode. And... And then hanging out with those adult film stars kind of like is what inspired Starlight. Just because they were real people just like you and me. And we would have this, this, these discussions about, you know, bed bugs in Las Vegas that were taking over at the time. And we were telling each other how to check the mattresses for bed bugs so we didn't bring them home. And, okay, so let's talk about how that transition happened because there are people who want to make this stuff happen. So, yeah. you, so you, you have this TV thing going on. You want to make this feature. Um, do you have money to do it? No, and that's the thing. I think it was just because of Sean. You know, by the way, when that, we were all doing, the money came from that one source. Yeah, well, no, you guys were really lucky. It was a split. Okay, uh, Patrick Cunningham, May Maybach Cunningham, uh, were the financiers on that one, and um, Ted Hope, who had a relationship with Sean, 
because of Sean's previous work with Prince of Broadway. Which, by the way, all the stuff that Sean did, even though I didn't co-write with him, I had some part in. And with Prince of Broadway, I would even go in there when he was editing and help, you know, give suggestions and stuff like that and give notes. And... But so you guys weren't digging into your pockets to make this happen? No, no, that came, the 250 came from some financiers who were fans of Prince of Broadway. Did you get paid? So little, because we weren't in the we weren't in the guilds for that, and, and so you're not even able to get the guaranteed. You know, writers guild minimum isn't really a lot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's more of just like okay, we have the opportunity here to make this movie, and we. we so how do you do it? How do you do it as young men who with ambition? And, yeah, and that's. So how'd you do it? That's the thing. Credit cards, just credit card debt. I hate to say I it, but it's really I was true. trying to get you to say it because you said it to us earlier. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's tricky. I, I always say, you know, lots of times people ask, how do you afford to pay the bills and still make these movies? And it's like a lot of sacrifice that we made. It's mm -hmm. not like we're from these super rich families that are like, or trust fund situations <laughs> that some people that I've, I've seen on. And that's great. I'm not knocking it. That's right, like, they're right. so lucky. Mm -hmm. But for us, it's just like getting these, I mean, like for instance, all those years in New York with Greg the Bunny, into when I moved here in 09 to do the MTV show, I was working at a market research company. But again, it's like- Oh yeah, let's talk about some of the jobs you had. Yeah, it's just like, we, Sean and I did the same thing. Where it's like, okay, if we can't be making movies, let's just get, we didn't want to work at like the Olive Garden, even though, you know, maybe you get free breadsticks, I don't know. Yeah. But we <laughs> wanted to do jobs that we felt like at least we were sort of in the industry. And so for me, it was working at a, a place where Nielsen would give, um, huh. you know, movie surveys and they do it here too like have you ever been to Arclight Sherman Oaks yeah and you see the people with the clipboards yeah, yeah. like hey you want to come to a free screening uh-huh well, that's what I, I hate did. those people <laughs> yeah we, it's bugging that was the job is to go up oh, to really? strangers in Central Park and just be like hey there's a free screening on Tuesday night want to check it out it's free and they're like what's the catch and they think you're trying to sign them up for a credit card and you're not you're just trying to recruit test audiences and also surveys for trailers that was the big bit of the business where we would go around with these portable decks and they were just like portable DVD players at the time. Now you would use them. Right, right. Uh, and just asking people to watch test uh, movie trailers that the studios would want to get feedback on. Like, what's your favorite part? Would you see this movie? Why not? That's kind of really smart. I didn't realize when you said you'd had a lot of jobs that you actually did something that made sense. Like, well, this makes sense. I hate it at the time, but... Looking back, it's so great. You learn stuff, right? You learn about so many different sensibilities. Yeah. And things that I wouldn't have thought of. Like, cause let's just say there was a trailer for a movie that I couldn't wait for. It really is interesting to see, like... Other people's like, reactions? Like, if they would never see it, you get to learn why. Like, what is it about this that you don't like? And you have to write down verbatim what they're saying. Wow. And it, it's... The only part of the job that I didn't like is I don't like being invasive. Yes, I mean, that's how, yes. I mean, weren't people like annoyed with you most sometimes. of the time? Sometimes. Yeah, not a lot. You feel like, okay. a, you feel like such a low life because, you mm. know, sometimes you're just being ignored, mm. you know, and you're talking to people politely, like, sorry to interrupt. I was just wondering if you wanted to give your opinion on I'm this I'm going to be so movie. much nicer to those people from now on. <laughs> and you I couldn't know. say the movie. It's against protocol. Oh. So if they go, well, what movie? And you're like, well, if you watch it, you'll see. And they want to... You can't even entice them with like, hey, this is the new Star Wars or something. You, you can't. So Wow, that's interesting. You have to get completely unbiased. I had no idea. Okay, so you have these jobs. You get to make these films because Sean's got this thing. So you're never really eating spaghetti -o, or are you? Yeah, ramen. You, you yeah, are. Because, you're eating you know, ramen, yeah. Because okay. you're going into credit card debt thinking, it's like a gamble with your life. You're just thinking like, I'll pay it off once we get, because you know, you're always trying, it's not completely as irresponsible as it sounds, because there was always light at the end of the tunnel. 
But even now, it's the same thing. You wait, so start... what's the light? So, so wait, let's go back. So you're making Starlet. You've, you, you've had TV gigs, so you've, you've, got, you've made some real money. Yeah. So now you're making these films where are you, you're pulling a little bit of salary out of... Yeah, but not, no more than a couple of thousand for Starlet. Okay, so just a really, couple of thousand. Like so not much to live more than a couple and then of you, But then you can't be making money after it comes out. Are you making money after it comes out? Again, you, you fall back on other jobs, and like I, I had people in New York that were still doing market research. Okay. So you can fall back on stuff like that, and they can siphon, you know, other not not the same company, but okay. stuff like that, where it's like jobs I could do from home where, while I would write something like Tangerine with Sean. Okay, so now making something like Tangerine, does that do you make enough money from Tangerine that you don't have to do worry? No, that's the thing. Because like the with thing. Tangerine and Florida Project are the same situation, where it was strictly Writers Guild minimum. And if you go out and look at the rates, that's not a lot of money, and it's split between Sean and I. So, and of course, Sean's making a little more because he's directing these movies. Which right. Is, you know, but again, it's no one's getting rich to tell these stories, and that's our goal right now. Is we just want to keep doing this, but the money that we, it's it's been, and that's how the business is. Even if you know, actors yes, even, yes, know, yes, yes, yes. It's like you can't take that money and start living like it's going to keep coming in. Yeah. And a lot of friends made that mistake. Like a lot of friends right out of school would get. You know some some screenwriting job right and, you know get that big paycheck but you you need to realize that might be the only one you get like that for three years yeah. even longer and you, you're not going to keep getting those i mean it would be great if you did but there's no consistency to it right and that's the thing we were talking about earlier where it's like it is a trade-off to make these dreams come true i look at a lot of my friends who have the stable job and they have you know families to feed and they need to and work nine to five but at the same time, you know, even though I would have the financial stability, I would personally be miserable because mm -hmm. I—that's not right for me. Like I have, this is the only thing I can do. Okay, so this is, we're getting we're getting to the meat now because this is called the road taken, mm -hmm. and basically we're talking about how you did this journey to get to do what you love to do, mm -hmm. to merge creativity with commerce, which you have to an extent. Yeah. Now to continue this dream, and I would imagine this is an ongoing thing, because yeah. the Florida Project, to, to this point, hasn't made gazillions of dollars. We're not in the green for that. I mean, because you know that, the way it, it works is, yeah. you know, even though the movie made more at the box office, I think we're almost up to six million, which again, you know, it's not a lot for a feature. But no, but six million if it costs two point five million is. But but it has to go. Up, you know, they say movies need to make triple because A twenty four, who's our distributor, they need to make all their money back for the the promotion and all the travel right. expenses and the film festivals and the food and it's a lot of money and you know agencies have to be paid back and June Pictures who finance the film has to be paid back so well, once that's all said and done three times. I know we're close yeah. we're close and so even though we, no one has a lot of points but at least once we get to that tipping point at least then we'll start seeing some, some more to tread water longer I like to say because right now we're all trying to do the same thing we're just trying to get the next one going and every one that we get going hopefully is a little bit more than the minimum so we can last longer and not get to this point where right now it's great to have all this acclaim but how long could you make that writer's guild minimum last it's like not more than a year and and so then you get back to the credit cards and so this is this constant thing of like paying off all your debt and it's like ah and now it's like back I'm into the debt. back the yeah, debt. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love this story, Chris, because you have so much enthusiasm and passion for what you do. Mm. And you're, 
you're okay with it going this way for a while. As long as those it, ma- they don't get maxed out. Right. I don't and, know what happened. But but I mean it's but what's really cool is that you're not sitting here going, Well, if I don't have the big score next, mm-hmm. I'm out of here. No, I'm gonna, no, no. It's like if you had to keep doing it this way, as long as you could keep manipulating the credit you know, keep it working, yeah, yeah, yeah. keep it going. Uh, it seems to me that it's more important to you to do what you to do these movies that you love, yeah, and that you believe in. So, so what do you have? What, is there something next you can talk about? Well, that's the trick. So, okay. so now at this crossroads that I'm at in my career, mm-hmm. I would love to keep making movies, the socially relevant films that Sean Baker continues to want to make. Okay, you know, we have a whole idea vault that we call it, where there's like at least three more that we've love been it. talking about over mm-hmm. the years. It's just a matter of who's interested. Are there homeless not. people involved? I'm somehow thinking there's homeless people involved. Oh, you know what? <laughs> in one of them there is. Of but different there are. it's different than Florida Project. <laughs> of course there are. Of course there are. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just taken from maybe a news article that we okay. come across going like, wow, that would make a good movie. You know, everybody uh-huh. has, has that. But also, I I haven't had the chance to fulfill that side of me that first went to NYU that had the Back to the Future posters up. You know, I am you want to make me? I want to make big Disney, you know, extravaganza or just big studio movies. And, uh, and do you have one in mind? So many. Uh, and and you know, we're, right now, just pitches are being developed. You want to make sure that you have a story to pitch correctly. Let's talk about the pitch because there's a lot of people out there yeah, yeah. that are writers and yeah. that are filmmakers. So let's talk about how you guys built the pitch. Yeah. What's that process for you? It's the hardest part. It's terrifying. Okay. Me, right. So what just, is that? You just need. You need to be able to have a way to be sort of like a used car salesman in a sense, don't you think? Where it's like you have to be able to be really enthusiastic about this idea and explain it in the most simplified way. How many sentences? What's your elevator pitch? How long is your elevator pitch usually? Oh, I don't even know. When I when I go into a pitch and I'm mm-hmm. in a, into a pitch meeting, you know, it could be a good five minutes. Yeah. I'm just talking them through the story the same way in layman's terms that a Wikipedia page would. But don't but don't you need. Don't you need like the initial like two sentences, three sentences, like like the log line before? Sometimes you... in a document. But okay. I, I feel like in a pitch when you're, meeting, when you're chatting, you, you just can... kind of talk them through a story. I just okay. had it yesterday on the phone. I just we just did one that went quite well, and it's just about you know speaking clearly, not making it overcomplicated. And the way my mind works and is programmed, I tend to want to tell every little detail mm-hmm. so, it that lo- way too. so it logically makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that you can let go of a little bit of that. As long as you're hitting the major beats, it's more important to have that fleshed out villain. Why is the villain doing what he's doing? Do we care? Does he just want to take over the world again like in every Marvel movie? I mean, like you want to try to come up with something a little bit different. And that's the, that's the most important thing, I think, the best advice I could give is just have really well-defined motivations for all the characters. Why are they doing what they're doing? And illustrate that and try to get okay so let's let's excited. break it down a little further so I'm assuming that you don't memorize something no, do you I, memorize I do you yeah. memorize and what helps for me okay. like right now I'm working on a big pitch about an idea that I have that I'm super excited about and to do that I'm actually writing a script for myself and then I won't bring that in right but it's for me to just keep reading it reading it and refining it so I can sort of verbally articulate what I see in my head and it's not always easy to make someone else see. Okay, so you okay, so there's there's a script, mm-hmm. there's learning it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also knowing your project so well that no matter what question they ask, you've got an answer. Yeah, it's not so much different than an actor going into an audition and memorizing lines the night before. You know? That makes sense. Trying to own that character. It's so hard. I have so much respect because you know, one of my best friends, Josh Shussman, 
he does it all the time. I help him with his lines. And I don't know how someone can go into They just give you this little bit of thing. You don't know what the script is. So you don't know your character or the arc. And you have to somehow show them what they're looking for. And I just give them so much actors so much credit. Okay, we have to talk about Josh for a second. Oh, because yeah. um, I watched Tangerine this morning. Yeah. And there's a scene that Chris is in with, with Josh <laughs> Sussman. Josh is from Glee. That's how my kids... Yeah, uh, Wizards of Waverly Place as and, well. As and Wizards of Waverly Place. He's got yeah, big hair. He's, he's, he's kind of like the Larry Fine of our generation. He's the best in the biz. He's <laughs> the nicest guy ever. <laughs> he's very sweet. But he plays, sometimes like on Glee, he plays so not so nice characters. Yes. People think he's like that in real life. Oh no, but he's, he's lovely. the furthest you can be from. So, okay, so now in, the, in, in Tangerine, this is not a spoiler because it's just one little scene. You guys are in the back of a cab. Yeah. <laughs> and Josh throws up all it's over. Real, it's real, it's real. How is it real? Because we, Sean loves the authentic. <laughs> Sean has a thing. If you ever watch, you know, he four letter words, take out, Prince of Broadway, Starlet, Tangerine, Florida Project, okay? All of them have a vomit scene. <laughs> it's just a sort of a tradition <laughs> for him. And you always have to keep one up. I remember it in the Florida Project. Like yeah, the uh, Haley runs in and vomits after the beatdown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Into the toilet. Oh, yeah. Emotional vomit. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. emotional vomit. So in Tangerine, uh, in trying to one-up ourselves, you know, Josh, being a method, as great as he is, he wanted to do it for real. And so who are we to say no? And so... Um, Pick it, he, that stuff? He poisoned himself. No, he didn't use the epicat. Sean had previously used that. It became illegal. You can't really? get it over the counter anymore. No that, kidding. Is it called epi, 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 I can't even say epi, it. To induce vomiting when you're feeling like you need to. But no, oh gosh, um, that I can say. Uh, so with with, with uh, Tangerine, yeah. um, the only reason why I volunteered to do it is because we could never ask an actor to do that. That would be wrong. To, we, if we wanted to, to do it real. He gets vomited on. Oh, oh, it's so hard. And I wrote that scene, so I'm like, okay, I've got to be the vomitee. So, okay, so how did he do it for real? He went to the uh, Griddle Cafe. You know, no, he said, poison me? Pancakes, mimosas, <laughs> I think he had a lot of gin and of rum, and he just mixed it all up. Josh could tell you the next time you see him. And then uh, yeah, he 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 was he the only person he... he could vomit on cue. Because we're like, you're gonna, Josh, don't do this. You're gonna get so sick that you're not gonna be able to perform in the scene. And he's like, no, I can do it. And he did it. Like when it was time in the scene for it to let go, he let it go. He okay, I have to go. I don't. I don't want to rewatch it. But I, I'm thinking like because I, I didn't. I mean, it looked really real. <laughs> That's the thing. I, People don't believe me. But if you watch, Sean it looked Cox, really real. The reason why, we would have cut earlier, but I think he may have looked in the someone looked in the camera. But because it's a moving taxi cab and it's just like like when it, time it's time. But his mouth is open. So if you frame by frame it, you, I'm not lying. It's real. There was more to it. That was just the, not to be disgusting, that was just the appetizer. Holy shit. And I wish someday I want to release the footage of the main uh, course coming out. Well, that has to be on the director's cut. Yeah, maybe. Oh or, my whatever. God. But, but what I'm, but what I'm, but what, for you sitting there being the recipient, see now if I were you, I would have been throwing up all over. Well, no, because, like, there's that famous, I think it was from Three O'Clock High, which is another one of my favorite movies, 1987, yeah. Phil Giovanna. Uh, directed it, and it, it's just the character goes like, maybe this is not an original quote from that movie. Kind of thing, maybe it is, but it's uh, you know, pain is temporary, film is forever. <laughs> and so I was just trying not to laugh because being, <laughs> I knew the scene was gonna be something crazy just because of how much he's throwing up. So yes, it was disgusting. It smelled, and I was I could taste it in my eyes. Oh my god! 
was, it was leaking in and burning. Oh, oh God. God. But I knew that, okay, this, this could be great. This is going to be great. And, 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 and oh. the authenticity is there. I mean, I, I, I was looking but, real. I was like, there's jo- no way this is fair. I, I knew it couldn't be Josh fair. Josh was but I, a, so sweet that he didn't want to do it. And I'm like, Josh, treat me like your human prop. Which he Don't did. even give a shit about anything. I want you to get me as good as you can get me. It's just un- this scene is so dis- it's just crazy that this but is real. The scene is you know, but it's not nearly these- as disgusting as like pink flamingos with like divine doing all that weird shit. It's not as disgusting. Oh, you know, as not as at all. Now. But I want to also say that it's not just a shock value thing in in our heads because all those cab scenes in mm-hmm. Tangerine. Our goal with those is, if you look at them, it's always someone wanting what they can't have, or some oh. somebody mistaking. Some, so in our scene, it's these two guys. If you listen to his dialogue, he is drunk, but he's kind of saying that he wants the cab driver. We were two guys that wanted to get to some party to pick up girls, mm-hmm. and we're trying to get there earlier than the other guys, but we got too drunk. Oh so my god! <laughs> Once the vomit started, I like so, yeah. I so was, there is a purpose in that, and then you know there's yeah. a, there's a woman who's carrying the dog thing, but then. You find out that the dog just died, and things. That it's, was so sad. It's things, and then there's the mother-in-law who's going to find the son. Of, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's things that also. Oh no, she's in a different. Things cast, that yeah. appear, what to be something that they're not. So with the dog scene, it was very important to say about what things look like as opposed to the reality, ah. all tying in, and that's why we said it at Christmas because L.A. You know, just just because it doesn't look like Christmas, does that mean it's not Christmas? And that was sort of an, an inspiration for us with tying it all into these themes about, okay, just, be, you know, it's how you feel on the inside and maybe you're born a certain way and does that mean you're not a certain way? And it's all sort of this loose sort of undercurrent. Of but that. it's all, also all this darkness is going on during Christmas, that Christmas is not all presents and yeah, happy things, yeah, yeah. that there's the underbelly. So, okay, Chris, so we're kind of winding down to the end. Hmm. If you had to, if you're going to speak to these people out, to, to everybody out there who's holding on to a dream. Yeah wants to live it, what, do you, what are the tools that help you the most to, to, yeah. to get on track and to keep going? I mean, for me, one of the biggest stumbling blocks in, in my life for many years is just taking, it's so good to take notes. I love what Phil was talking about, notes. It's such a great, he, he's such an inspiration because Phil was talking on your last uh, week yeah yeah about how you know notes are great and write a journal just write everything yeah. down um, mm-hmm. but but the, at the same time it's when people you have to know where the line is and where you have to stay confident to stay true to your voice and that's why I admire Phil is because he's walked away from things when they just want his name and they just want Phil Rosenthal but they really don't want Phil Rosenthal and what he his voice is what his you know his flavor is because uh, he's so much of food uh, but you know they mm-hmm. want they, they think they want you, they'll hire you, like, we love everything you've done, but now we're going to change everything that you, that you are. Yeah. And it's weird, and it happens all the time. So it's like... Does it be, happen to you guys? It happened on the MTV show. They, okay. They, you know, MTV said, we love what you guys do, but oh my goodness, that was, the, that was a really good lesson for us all about working with, us, with studio notes and working with executives. But, and no, nothing, no harm, you know, just different sensibilities. There were times in that show where we were told, like, no, you could not have any references like below the year 2000. And we did. We had like a lot of references. This world sucks. Or no I'm cameos sorry. from actors from movies like we wanted Mark Hamill and stuff before Too Mark old. Hamill came back as Luke Hart. And like, oh, the kids aren't going to know who he is. Now, here's where their disconnect was. So they were not always right because we had something where, the, you know, the Electric Mayhem, which is the band of the Muppets? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, Mark, sure. Uh-huh. Um, we had some references. And they didn't want that. But if you walked into Hot Topic at the time, 
there were teenagers that know the electric mayhem. They sell right. them in Hot Topic, and Hot Topic's always a good gauge for like what that's good to you know, know what's cool and what, uh -huh. what people know of. And just because they weren't born, there's still things that people like. I mean, even for for me, there were things that I love movies before I was born. So the point is, is stay true to your voice and don't be swayed away from your voice and try to be what other people want you to be. That's the number one thing. And, and you know, have that confidence where it's like, this is my value. This is what I bring to this. And, and where do you comp? So, but you want to work and you want to get your project made and you want to you want to have them make that project. Yeah, yeah. So where where. How do you, where do you draw the line to compromise? Where do you compromise? I think just always being a great listener and always being willing. There's a lot of people, a lot of people I've collaborated with that just didn't work out because there was not that common respect. Mm. And just like unwillingness to even just hear my side of things. Like, what if we did this? No, no, no. That doesn't work. Like, you have to at least be willing, just like in any relationship. This is really good because this gets to how you guys collaborate because you are this moth, this film mafia. So, okay, so that relationship, how does that work, the two of you? He's my creative valentine because we both listen to each other and like we might, we're not coming from the same sensibilities. I mm -hmm. think that's what makes it tick work. so mm -hmm. well because he is definitely much more coming from a European sensibility uh -huh. okay. and he didn't grow up love, I mean, actually he did, he loves Die Hard. And mm -hmm. he, at one point in his career, he thought he would be the next Die Hard. Um, but I think what happens is we're both coming at it from a different point of view and they collide, but we but what we don't fight. We just hear each other out, and somehow it kind of morphs into each other. Where you know, like he might show me a way of doing something that I never considered, but at the same time, I'll say something that might be a little bit more mainstream than he's going to think about it, and he'll be like, "Okay, I don't see it a hundred percent your way, but I do like what you're saying there, and let's take that part and put it with my part." And we, we I love that. greater than the sum of its parts. I love that. And now it brings me to another question, a selfish question for, for that I want for Ricardo and I. Oh, yeah. Uh, how, what's your writing collaboration like? How does that work? So it's different. There's two styles. And, okay. And for the movies that you've seen, like we've talked about, it's, again, it's just all about the research. And we always write. Like, so we wrote in the motels. Do you, do, okay, are you physically together when you write? Yes, most of the time. There were a couple of traditional... That's what I want to talk about more because we haven't talked about that. We've okay. gotten hired to write a few scripts. Oh. And so we wrote this action movie. Never got made. Might still, I would love it to get made. And for that, since it's not one of these, like, you know, social realist Sean Baker, you know, movies that he knew he would direct and we didn't have to hit the research. Right. That was more of the traditional, like, we locked ourselves in his apartment. We cleared a whole wall for the index cards. And we, we figure out the story on the wall. We figure out all the story beats. So each index card has what's going to, is a scene. And then bullet points of what's going to happen in that scene to move the story forward. And there's a lot of puzzle pieces sh shuffling around. Rip, there's a lot of ripped up cards on his floor. But then once we lock it and we know, okay, this is the first act, second act, third act, and this, it looks good, then we divvy it up and we go our separate ways. We're not in the same room. And, you know, I, I was just telling you before. And are, you, are, you using, are you using traditional um, three, act, three act? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, final, I mean, just writing it in final uh, draft. No, no, not the draft. Oh. Are you using traditional uh, breaks, like, scene break? Yeah, yeah. 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 Second act, yeah, like, yeah. All, all hope is lost kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And we, we have that. And Save then, the cat and all that stuff. Right, yeah. right. And then we divvy it up and mm -hmm. like, okay, I really, this scene's really, I see this scene so clearly. Let me take this one and this one. Oh, you want the car chase? Okay. And then we divvy it up and we'll go our separate ways. Even okay. For this particular action movie I went to my mom's in Orlando because I'm so distracted here 
that like I can never that really is so distracting. Yeah, there's like oh there's a screening at the Egyptian tonight <laughs> with a cool Q and A. Yeah, I can't miss that. Yeah, um, and you know or I never saw that one on the big screen and it's kind of not productive. Yeah, so I go to put myself in seclusion at my mom's. It's fun to go see her and again go to some theme parks while I'm there. That's the only distraction. <laughs> and then um, we we go our separate ways. We write those scenes mm -hmm. and then we come back in the same room and we both read each other's stuff, critique it. Put it through the blender, and eventually that's how it goes into. The, so how the, does it get? How does it get the singular voice? Because you, in the end, you are coming together. And yeah, I think that's how. Is that if I wrote a scene, mm -hmm. like I remember writing a scene for that action movie, and it was this big, epic, like end of Commando shootout. You know, taking out all these guards, and then he read that, and he's like, "Okay, it's not that it's not well written. It's very descriptive, but I didn't want to go so over the top with it." And so then he'll revise it and make it a little bit more realistic mm. rather than the Hollywood version I came out. Right. With like thousands of guards being machine gunned <laughs> down. And, and that's how I think. So like I'll write it and lay that down. And then for his stuff, I'll be like, this is, you know, this it's the same thing where it's like, I I saw it more like this. Why did you approach it like this? Isn't this taking away from the bigger picture? And it could be like, oh yeah, you're right. And so once we both give our coat of paint over what we painted, that's how it comes to be the singular and it's this constant sort of... Is that final right, you in the same room? Yeah, yeah. The, all the way through? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think something... I've tried it a lot. Like, right now I'm doing one long distance with a friend, and uh, we've just been Skyping every day and FaceTiming and... That's what Ricardo and I have been doing, and we're in the same city. Yeah. There's something magical about, about being, being in the, the same room. room I, you can. We started in the same room, and we've gone to now just skyping all the time. We got to get back in the same room. There I is something. What is it? There, I don't know because we can see each other. Yeah, we're looking at each other's faces. It's different. There's, there's an there's energy a disconnect over the FaceTime for me. There is, but we can still manage to get stuff done. Yeah, and if that's your only choice, don't let that stop you. Do it whatever means. That's why. Just do it whatever way you can, and and. And if you don't feel like writing that day, just go out and take a walk and write down all your dialogue. And just, it's going to spark, you collect little bits and pieces that can lend themselves really well. I remember I had like just a couple of bits and pieces of notes I took on this last, I've been lucky with these films, film festivals all over the world have flown us to places that I would have never seen in my, in my well, not for the immediate future. Mm -hmm. And so you're in places like Germany, and I always stay a few extra days. So if you ever have that luxury, just... You know, Airbnb, it's not that expensive and you can, you know, spend... That's what Phil was talking just about last week is the travel. Yeah, he was saying the, the, hot yes. I love Airbnb. I don't like to necessarily stay at a stranger's house, but there's an option where you can have a whole apartment to mm -hmm. yourself. And so, you know, you're in places like Germany and you can just go find cool, like the Black Forest or even the... I love theme parks. Mm -hmm. So there's like this park called Europa Park in southern Germany and it's like they've got all these copies of Disney rides, but you just go there... And you just get ideas and write them down, and you don't even know where they're going to fit in. But then you're writing your next movie, and you're like, oh my god, wait, that cool, crazy spaceship, that's what I want this to look like. <laughs> and then you can even just use that to try to sell it to other people. Like, we're going to have a ship that looks just like this. I just love this. Okay, so now do you feel that because of, the, of, of all the awards that you guys have won and been, been up for that you're being taken seriously for a big studio film it now? It helps. Yeah, it does, it really, right? It really helps. I mean, just, yeah. You're I mean, taking the big meetings now? I guess so. Yeah, they're taking <laughs> the big meetings now. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's definitely a dream. It's just a dream to come true. Because, again, I just want to say for Florida Project, from it was on the show for five years. It was one of those movies that we just never thought we were going to get to make. 
and and I still am trying to realize that this is like a movie that people are watching. It still feels like it's like, wait, don't we still have to make that one? Because you're waiting so long to try to, and, and, and I'm not, this is common. I mean, everybody, people talk about uh, 10 years. Mm-hmm. This is only half of that, waiting five How long did it take you to write it? You guys the write really fast, don't you? The thing, it was the research, two years of research. Ah. And then when we sat down and actually started getting that story on paper, it was really like under six months. How, how long is the process of putting the, the scene, of writing scenes and throwing them on, on, on the wall? It's always different. Mm-hmm. Um, for Florida Project, things really started moving when, when Jim Pictures was coming aboard and they knew they, we could get some money for it and it became like a real thing. Mm-hmm. We, we felt the pressure to like, okay, no more casual trips of research. Because we were researching before we knew the movie would ever get made. Uh huh. Now it was like, okay, we need to get something done you know, in the next few months to show them. No going to Disney World while we're down there. Oh, we did. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Well, Chris, I, I, I am so grateful to you for coming and spending your Valentine's oh, yeah, no, Day with thanks, us. Thanks for being and my Louise, Valentine. I, I feel bad, Louise. It's been really quiet through this and hasn't uh, participated with us, but you've been a smiling face over there. But but thank you so much. Oh, and, gosh. and I'm so excited to see what's... I, I, I can't wait to see your Back to the Future because I, oh, no yeah, yeah. I have no doubt yeah, you're going to make it. Me. That's one of the best scripts ever written. I stand by that. With Bob Gale and how do they do Brilliant. it? Brilliant. I wish they would, you guys, I wish they would write something new together. The, the Bobs. That would be really cool. <laughs> I, I, I like that idea. Well, anyway, so if you have questions for Chris, get them on the, on the thread and I'll, 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 I'll oh, yay. And, and Chris will come back in and answer if you have questions about the making of any of his Absolutely. movies or any advice you want from him. And, um, yeah, at, and you can always just tweet at Chris Bergosh, B-E-R-G-O-C-H. On Twitter and the Instagram or at Florida Project and we'll answer your questions. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. We'll see you next week.